The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. 15, 64, 50, 80, 90, hey, hey! Hey, you guys. Oh, my God. Welcome to a very Brady podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jimmy, and I will be your skipper on this episode of the tour. And with me, as always, is my first mate and little buddy of the show, Tack. Hey, skipper. <laughs> and on this podcast, we celebrate classic, iconic TV shows as we break them down one episode at a time. What we do, Tack, as you know, uh-huh. we take this episode, mm-hmm. we break it down with our bad selves. We scare it into thinking that we're the dreaded Maruby headhunting tribe, only to near, nearly trap it in a cave, destroy its parasol, and ruin its dress, not to mention be, like, gone for, like, five fucking weeks and just, like, I don't know, apparently just sit on our asses and not record shit, you know, while I'm trying to fucking work and where I usually listen to podcasts on Thursdays and I fucking can't because, you know, these two guys, oh, I'm sitting around just have a vacation. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> All for you, the listener. Indeed. On today's episode, we look at Gilligan's Island. That sounds so weird to say. I know. Yeah, season. Well, you haven't said it. Oh, sorry. Can I, so you can don't I, know. Can I say yeah, it? Yeah, say it. Say it. We're going to take a look at Gilligan's Island. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That is weird. Season one, episode one, entitled Two on a Raft. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched this episode, please feel free to stop the podcast and go watch it before continuing. You don't have to, but it might make it a hell of a lot more funny if you do. Gilligan's Island is available to stream nowhere for free, (laughs) but it is available for purchase on Apple TV and Amazon Prime. (laughs) Or you can do what we did and buy the series DVD box set available now through our Amazon affiliate link on our website at www.everybodypodcast.com dot com slash shop mm-hmm. it's a great way to support our show but you don't have to but it won't cost you anything more so mm-hmm. it's kind of cool but it is available for like a dollar 99 an episode if you'd rather do it that way uh, when i bought the box set it was like 35 dollars on amazon so if you if you're a fan of the show and you do want to follow along 35 dollars. i mean if you if you figure it out it's like what 99 episodes Something like that, yeah. So if you do the math, it's, you know, I failed math, but you can do it. Um, <laughs> I know, like Apple TV and all that, like they want to charge $24 per season. Yes, yes. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And plus, a lot of times you can find them used on there. I mean, me and Tack are a little bit iffy about used, but. Yeah. But with the box <sighs> set, you get like bonus features. There's some like you Schwartz, do, yeah. Schwartz commentary stuff. It's great. Yeah, that's true. And plus, what you can do is when you buy the box set. Yeah. Take a Sharpie, right? Mm-hmm. Get a Sharpie and you take the box set and you write me and tax name and then you can pretend like we signed it for you. <laughs> That's cool. As long as it's approved, then it, it's we'll, we'll vouch for you. We'll 100% <laughs> vouch for you. So, hey, this is autographed. Hell yeah. Of course. Yep, I did that. I That's totally cool. autographed that for Jenny and Jim. <laughs> Well, I would anyways, but really we need their autograph because they're, they're kind of cooler than we are, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, I guess first things first, how was your break? Uh, what did you do that was more important than delivering <laughs> wholesome content to our lovely listeners? 
Um, a lot happened over the break, that's for sure. But I'm not going to go too much into it. But let's just say I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, I'm happy to be back too. Yeah, I, I, I did a little bit more teaching my daughter how to play guitar. That was kind of cool. Nice. Uh, didn't get any more animals. That's probably a good thing. Uh, but I mainly just worked and hung out with my five-year-old because, you know, he's going through that phase where he's kind of a daddy's boy right now and stuff. So, hmm. so that's kind of neat. Yeah. So that's really all I did was just teach my daughter guitar and then play with my five-year-old. That's about it. Well, good. Good, good. Yes, yes. So, way back a long time ago. Yes. When you started this podcast, season yes. one of this podcast, yes. um, you used to always ask guests, and we kind of kept that tradition, uh, with what is your history on, on you know, the Brady Bunch? So, mm-hmm. what is your history on Gilligan's Island? Oh, um, well, let's see. Um, I definitely watched it as a kid, but I didn't watch it a whole lot. I definitely watch Brady Bunch more than I watch Gilligan's Island. Um, but I definitely saw it, but not... I didn't watch it in order or anything like that. So I saw episodes here and there. I don't, you know, it's not, I don't, I don't think there's really any episodes that stand out in my memory. So, okay. What about you? Well, I, I I remember watching this a lot as a kid because like I said, I'm the youngest of seven and, um, well, the youngest of eight technically. Um, and my older brothers would watch Gilligan's Island all the time. I think because they thought Marianne was hot. No, my brother Rick thought Ginger was hot, which I always thought was really weird because I always thought she kind of looked like Skeletor, but that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. Um, but I used to watch it as a kid a lot when I was really, really young, like three, four, five, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then when I was a little bit older, I remember watching this movie and all I remember is the professor saying that some storm was coming and the whole island was going to be destroyed. I'm like, what? <laughs> you can't destroy that's Gilligan's Island. You can't destroy Gilligan's Island. So I was all scared for him and stuff. And they had to make this big raft with a bunch of rooms on it or something. It's all I remember. And so I remember them going back to shore and everything being like all shitty. <laughs> like, like society wasn't the way they left it kind of thing. And they were really unhappy. And then I remember spoiler alert. They ended up back on the island again. Um, <laughs> that's the, my most vivid memory. Yeah, it was the TV movie it came out in the eighties, yeah. right? Yeah, that was like my most vivid memory of Gilligan's Island. I don't <laughs> remember any episodes, but I remember that. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So um, so what are your expectations for Gilligan's Island for the show? Um, well, I'm a little nervous by going into it. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. Why are you nervous? Just because, like, we have our audience. We have our Brady Bunch family. <laughs> you know. And I'm hoping that, you know, we're making the right choice by switching over to Gilligan's Island next, which I think we are. Um, I think this is definitely a fun show. And um, I think that it will be just as good as Brady Bunch, um, the way we do it. I mean, like our show will be just as good as when we were doing Brady Bunch. They just have to give us a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, With with me, um, Gilligan's Island obviously is one of those shows that you can't stream anywhere. Right. And I think it was, it was obviously a good enough show to put out 99 episodes. And I saw an interview with Bob Denver and Bob Denver said that they had a fourth season planned and they were given the green light for the fourth season. Yeah. And the, the only reason they didn't do season four was because the time slot was filled. That's it. It was strictly a time issue. That's all it was. Um, I think it was taken over by Gunsmoke, I think is where it went Yeah, somewhere. either way, like, that's the only reason they didn't want to do the show a fourth season was because their time slot was gone. They didn't want to move time slots. 
But he said they were approved for a fourth season. Like it wouldn't have got canceled had it not been for a time issue. They probably offered um, them Friday night and they were like, fuck, no, I ain't doing Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> and our, our good friend of the show, he was actually Tax's very first guest, um, kind of mentioned to us, he had said, um, and it's Ron, Ron had said, well, you yeah. know, that show can't stream anywhere. So, I mean, people listening, they may have an issue, but me and Tack look at it like that's all the more reason for us to do a scene by scene rewatch podcast because you can't stream it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't know very many people that watch Brady Bunch at work while they're listening to our podcast that, you know, I hope you're not doing that. You might get fired, but if so, write <laughs> us and tell us, cause that's kind of badass. Um, so that's kind of why. So I guess our expectation is to kind of, to bring the show a little bit more, um, I don't know, maybe a little bit more listeners for the younger crowd that maybe haven't seen it yet. Cause it hasn't been streaming. You know what I mean? I guess yeah. I kind of hope that some younger kids listen to our podcast and they're just, when I say younger kids, like we have a lot of 20 somethings that listen. Um, yeah. and I hope some of them listen to them. Like, that show sounds kind of, kind of funny. Like I, I kind of want to watch it. And if so, just drop a dollar 99, watch whatever episode and then decide whether you want to watch the box up. Yeah. So I have a question. Yeah. People at home are probably listening, especially right now. They're probably wondering, Ooh, what's tech and Jimmy going to do different? Oh, what, what kind of shirt they wearing? Oh, how's their hair done? That kind of thing. Uh, but one of the questions they're probably wondering is why are we still calling ourselves a very Brady podcast? <laughs> if we're not anything to do with the Brady's anymore, like what the hell? <laughs> oh, mom, frere, coup frere. That's how what? you say it, right? What's that? Oh, contraire, move frere. That's it. Oh, oh, so I had no idea what the hell you were saying. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's totally how you're saying. It. <laughs> I thought so. <clears throat> so, um, this show is always going to be called a very pretty podcast because that's yes. how it started, and it always will be. And we are still going to be doing some Brady Bunch content or episodes yep. from now until the end of time. Right, always well, as long as it lasts, <laughs> <laughs> the end of our time. So, right, <laughs> but yeah. So we'll always keep it Brady. We're always going to be coming back to it. We're still trying to get more guests and stuff from the Brady Bunch, you know, so you'll hear more episodes, hopefully with some interview episodes with some other people. Right on. So anybody that's a true fan of Gilligan's Island understands and knows that there was a pilot episode. And Mm -hmm. obviously, obviously we're starting with the pilot episode, right, Tag? (laughs) Definitely not. No, uh, the pilot episode didn't get released until what did you say? 92, 92. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I remember that. Um, so because it got released in 92, technically in chronological order, it was the last to come out. <laughs> yeah. So we look at it as let's start with the first one that came out and do in chronological order by release, which would make the pilot episode the very last thing we do. Which I think we would appreciate it more because the pilot, exactly. the lost pilot episode is fucking weird, man. Has like, it? I haven't watched it, but I've seen snippets. Like, it's not the same cast. Um, yeah, that's what I heard. There's different people. Is there anybody there's, omitted from it? Is there anybody missing? Well, yeah. I mean, the only is people there? that are on the on the cast now that were in the pilot was Gilligan, Skipper, um, and I want to say the Howells. But okay. like- the professor was played by somebody else, and he wasn't even a professor. He was like a high school. Oh, he's the dude teacher. laying in the boat at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. No, um, he is. Like, there's some strange dude laying in the boat that's not in this show. Like, no. And there was no Marianne. There was some somebody else, like some secretary. What? There was no Ginger. It was like some um, 
Oh, the professor wasn't a, he was like a writer or something. Totally different actors and actresses. And hmm. and Ginger was actually named Bunny. And uh, it was just, <laughs> and it was like somebody else random too. I don't know. It just was totally weird. And the theme song is even weirder because originally they had um, the, the SS Minnow coming out of the Caribbean. But then right. they changed it to out of Honolulu just because it makes more sense. Mukalakahiki, so, come on, you want to lay me. <laughs> so the original theme song is actually like this island Caribbean like song oh, okay. that's weird and doesn't sound right. Huh. Um, um, yeah. So the, la- the last question before we go on break, or not the yeah. last question, the last thing we should talk about is um, one thing that surprised me, Attack, when we started looking at shows possible shows to do is the Brady Bunch's seasons were between like 21 and 24 episodes long, somewhere in that time frame. Mm -hmm. But then we saw Gilligan's Island and Gilligan's Island has like 99 episodes, but only three seasons. So their seasons are extraordinarily long. I think that was the Um, thing back in the sixties. Cause if you look at Andy Griffith, Andy Griffith, same thing. Like each season was like 30 something episodes. Okay. And so, um, I mean, what we we like to break up, you know, the the our seasons a little bit, just because we start getting burnt out on it a little bit. I'm not really mm-hmm. burnt out, but um, I guess creatively, it's hard to to think of new jokes when it's it gets repetitive, kind of thing. I guess I don't I don't know how else <laughs> yeah. to word it. Um, so what we what we're going to do with the, with Gilligan's Island, we're not going to run through an entire season all in one season for us because that would mm-hmm. be like a year. Like <laughs> it seems like. Um, so we're going to break it up, you know, into 21, 22, 23, you know, yeah. show seasons. So it's not going to run the course of a regular season, but that's okay. And there might be, you know, in season two, we might end season one and go into season two of Gilligan's Island, but that's okay. Cause we're all adults. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> you can handle um, it. <laughs> and plus we're also going to throw in some Brady Bunch stuff too. Um, Indeed. And we may, we may, I mean, this is just me talking. Feel free to, to interject or to, you know, knock the shit down. Um, but I kind of feel like we may rely more and more on the Patreon people to tell us what Brady Bunch content they like to see next. Um, you know what I mean? Sure. I mean, because we have to, we, we're going to sprinkle it in, right? But, you know, you never know. We may go to our Patreon people and be like, hey, what, what subsequent Brady Bunch stuff would you like to see first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Yeah, there are producers who get to listen to them. So. Exactly. Because a lot of the Brady Bunch content, it doesn't necessarily have to be in chronological order. The movies do. You know, the the, the Brady girls get married in A Very Brady Christmas. They kind of have to go in order. But yeah. the variety show, the cartoon, the the DIY makeover show or whatever, like none of that has to be um, in chronological order. Let's not forget, <clears throat> which is something that I didn't even know about until over a hiatus. But there was a show called The Brady's. It was like an hour drama. Oh, you were telling me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I actually saw a little bit of an episode and I was like, this is weird. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's no, it's no Saved by the Bell remake. What you're saying. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's no comedy. No. I mean, there might be a couple of chuckle things here and there, but <laughs> like in the first episode, I watched a little bit of it. It was about uh, Mike and Carol may have to sell the house and. They're like, oh no! You know, of course, all the women, all the daughters are like married with kids and shit. You know, so do they have that cliche shot of them walking around through the backyard, thinking about memories from the show and shit? <laughs> I didn't no. watch all the episode, but mm-hmm. well, unless you have anything else to add, I guess we can take our first break. All right. 
But you don't, you don't have anything else to add? No, uh, no, no, I'm good. Okay, all right. In that case, uh, we will take our first break because I'm exhausted. <laughs> and um, and when we come back, we'll look at Gilligan's Island. That's so weird. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back. Coming in the fall of 2022, Tommy and the Order of Cosmic Champions, a new novel inspired by the toys and cartoons of the 1980s. Click the link in today's show notes to preview now. The book follows 11-year-old Tommy Grant, who is trying to deal with some unfavorable circumstances in his otherwise tranquil life in rural 1980s Ohio. He retreats to the thing he loves most, the Order of Cosmic Champions. A long-running animated TV program and line of toys that provides Tommy with a much-needed boost of joy, especially when he discovers that the manufacturer is holding a nationwide create-a-character contest. The winning design will be made into an action figure and be sold the world over, with its creator becoming president for a day at the headquarters of the manufacturer. But when Tommy's character design loses out, his world begins to crumble, and you can only think of one way to fix it. Find the kid that submitted the winning design and try to convince him to help make Tommy's dream come true. Visit orderofcosmicchampions.com now where you can read about the inspiration for the new book. Watch the teaser trailer. Listen to the official theme song, Stand or Fall by Stan Bush. See action figure designs based on the Order of Cosmic Champions characters and sign up for updates on the novel's progress and upcoming release date. That's orderofcosmicchampions.com or click the link in today's show notes. Tommy and the Order of Cosmic Champions, a new novel by Anthony Rapino and Anthony Great, coming in the fall of 2022. And we are back. Ooh, that was that was different, Tack. That was, I mean, I, I know you, you, you know, before in the Brady Bunch era, you were doing like, you know, weird flips on your bed and shit like that. But I mean, I, I mean, this was more like almost like rhythm gymnastics. Like, like I'm kind of um, surprised you didn't get the ribbon stuck in your ceiling fan the way you were twirling around and stuff. But it was I mean, more of a jazzercise thing. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. I, I, I could see kind of the the flash dance inspired, you know, you know thing that you got going on because you're so you, excited. You know, you didn't even comment on my glittery tank top um, or your leotard. Hello, well, it's my glittery tank top, you know, because I was sweating to the oldies. Right, I just don't understand the leg warmers because those went out of style like in the eighties. But whatever, mm-hmm. it's okay. And pink, come on, man. I was trying to like do like a Richard Simmons vibe. Oh, oh, okay. All right. It's funny, real quickly. It's funny, my son, like a couple months ago, he goes, who's Richard Simmons? And so I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. So I kind of just told him who he was. And I was like, why? What do you ask? Where'd you hear that? And he was like, he goes, I don't know. I just made up a name. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you, you kind of had that Richard Simmons vibe. You just needed a, a bunch of women that didn't need to lose weight that were told they were fat in the background. You know, it's it's kind of <laughs> fucked up. That old TV show he had. And all these girls that look perfectly fine. They're acting like, you know, I need to lose weight. Sorry, anyways. So Come on, ladies. You can do it. Yeah. Come on. You can shed those pounds off even though you look perfectly fine. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> okay, so let's get into this. All Season right. one, episode one, entitled Two on a Draft. On Draft? <laughs> Draft? Did I say draft? He's two draft. on a raft. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy's two on a raft. From, it's not Miller time, Jimmy. Come on. That's right. Yeah. All right. Some facts about this episode. It first aired September 26th, 1964. That's like 10 years before I was born. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I'm making people feel old. Sorry. <laughs> Written by Lawrence J. Cohen and Fred Freeman. Mm-hmm. Directed by... John Rich. I mean, you know that I guy. If, I wonder if everybody went up and said, wow, you must be rich. <laughs> no? Okay. All right. <sighs> According to IMDb, because the pilot marooned 1992 was unusable due to cast substitutions, a scene in which the castaways are listening to a radio broadcast that describes what was happened to them had to be added. Also, the opening scene for the pilot was used for this episode. The original castaways from the pilot appear briefly while the skipper rises from the wrecked minnow. That explains because I was telling you off camera. I was like, that's not the professor. I don't know who the hell that is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The transistor radio the group listens to on the beach during a news report mentioned their disappearance is a Packard Bell AR-851. The company name appearing on the lower left no, on the lower right was blacked out in the PB appearing vertically near the radio dial also was altered to mask the brand because they mm. didn't want to pay So screw them. <laughs> well, it's this not is- always about like wanting to pay. It's always about anytime like uh, a show will blur out like a, a logo, mm-hmm. which you don't have to. You can show any logo anywhere. It doesn't matter. The only time you would see somebody blur something out is if. That company, like let's say it's Coke, and you blur out Coke. The only reason why you would do that is because you could be sponsored by Pepsi, and you don't want to show oh, competition. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Or if we were doing like two hosts, one cup, we probably didn't want to show Coke on there, right? Yeah, that just got weird. You made this weird. Well, I was just asking a question. Because <laughs> <laughs> a fine example. Okay. All right. <clears throat> This is one of the only two episodes in which the skipper's actual name, Jonas Grumby, should be Grumpy, am I right? <laughs> right. Is said. The other episode is Home Sweet Hut. All other episodes just refer to him as the skipper. So speaking of that, um, yes. I wasn't sure if anybody knew. I didn't know this information. Okay. And Jimmy, you probably don't either. Is what is everybody's full names on the show? Characters, full names. And well, so they, was, they just, they just talked about the skip. They say the skipper's in the first name, but I don't think they say, well, the howls they say, but yeah. that's about it. So I, I learned some stuff here. Um, so I looked it up and seen everybody's actual names. Okay. Character names anyway. And then I also thought it'd be fun if you could guess how old the actors or characters are in the filming of this first episode. That's no, okay. We fade it. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> So <laughs> I messed up with that. So starting with um, Gilligan, Gilligan's actually his last name. His actual name is Willie Gilligan. 
<laughs> Every time I hear somebody with a weird name or a strange name, I always picture this mom holding a newborn baby going, we shall call him Willie. Like, just, <laughs> I don't know. And uh, so how old do you think uh, Willie Gilligan is? Um, hmm. Well, guess. knowing that me and you have talked about this and knowing that people seem to look older back in the day than they do today, um, right. I would have to say he's probably like 30 at the most. Good guess. Close. He's 29. 29. Okay. Uh, next up, as we already know, like you just said, Captain Jonas Grumby. Okay. I wonder if he had any brothers. Um, I don't know. Do you know? Jonas, Jonas Brothers? Never mind. Oh, oh I Jonas is his first name of their last yeah. name. So how old is uh, Jonas Grumby, you think? Probably like, probably like, he's probably younger than he looks. Probably like 42. <laughs> You're like one off again. Am I? 43. He's 43. I almost said so, 56, but I thought, ah, oh, 56 back then <laughs> is like 42 back then. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, next is Marianne. So her last name is Summers. Marianne Summers. She looked really young. She looks like 22 to me. She actually is the youngest of the cast, and she is 26. Oh, wow. Um, next one is uh, Ginger Grant. A lot of people kind of know her last name was Grant. Um, can you wager a guess on how old Ginger is? I would I would probably similar in age to Marianne, probably like 27. She's 30. Really? Wow. And she's the only one left alive, too. Yeah. Um, everybody knows Thurston Howell the third. Um, yep. that's his full name. How old do you think Thurston Howell is? Um, 45. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the whole, everybody looks older kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but yeah. No, he's a uh, 51. Oh, wow. 51. Okay. Good for him. Yeah. Um, and then lovey, how lovey. Um, she looked older to me. So I'm going to say. 54 she was actually 64 so really he's 51 and she's 64 god good for her that's awesome <laughs> yeah. and i did not know the professor's name until like yesterday his name is actually hmm. roy hinkley <laughs> <laughs> how old do you think old roy is um probably similar in age to skipper so i'm gonna say probably 50 no he is 40 Poor. Damn, he looks terrible. <laughs> I can say that because he's not alive. So. <laughs> anyway, I thought that'd be a, it was a fun little thing. Yeah. So wow, was interesting. Okay. All right, so you ready to fade in? I'm excited to fade in. We have new fade in music now. People get wow. ready. That's so cool. excited. All right, so you ready? Yeah. All right, so we fade in. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, that is, that is different. Mm -hmm. All right. We open to see a wide shot of the minnow laying on the beach under a palm tree, mysteriously with what looks like a dirt road behind it, but we'll ignore that for now. <laughs> we then move to the inside of the boat just in time to see the skipper wake up and sit straight. He gets up and looks around the boat and the beach, and we see the rest of the castaways laying in various parts of the boat. The skipper jumps off the boat quietly tiptoes around the back of the boat finally slapping gilligan on the knee and yelling his name when <laughs> gilligan doesn't wake up fast enough the skipper yells his name again louder gilligan after realizing what's going on panics saying man overboard he leaps into action with a i'll save you skipper and dives headfirst off the boat falling face first into the sand hmm 
The skipper gets angry, shocking, and walks over, putting his fingers into the back of Gilligan's pants. He then grabs him by the belt and picks him up, saying, Gilligan, the minnow's been beached. Gilligan, shocked and confused, asks, beached? When the storm was over and it was calm, you said we'd be home in no time. Skipper, with an attitude, says, it may take longer. Gilligan, still thinking of his duties, asks, <laughs> duties. When the passengers wake up and want to get off the, at the marina, what are you going to tell them? The skipper, suddenly trying to be quiet, whispers, I'll think of something. Gilligan, perhaps beginning to panic and pointing to the boat, asks, how are we going to get home? Look at those holes. <laughs> he may not have been looking at the boat. Sorry. <laughs> skipper quickly grabs his hat as if he's going to strike young Gilligan with it. But Gilligan, still processing what's happened, says, you know, I'm very happy to be here. I'm so happy I could kiss the ground, which he does. He then sits up with sand all over his mouth saying, you know, this island tastes terrible. <laughs> so like when the boat's like beached up on there and everybody's passed out, which I assume that's what they were. They were passed out. Right. <laughs> Why was Ginger laying in a bed? With the pillows and blanket, and like it was all comfy. yeah, they didn't know. <laughs> Everybody else was like passed out, like wherever they were standing. Like, <laughs> yeah. How did Gilligan not know? No, how did Gilligan know he was on an island? That's a good point. They don't know they're on an island. They could just be on a beach for all they know. It's true. Good well, I guess point. it's pretty obvious though, since they're in Hawaii. But they're all islands. <laughs> but still, um, in the opening sequence, right. Where the yeah. song is playing. Gilligan has a rope, what looks like a telescope, some sort of compass, a knife, and a canteen. Where are okay. they all now? <laughs> I don't know. They they might be shown later. I don't know. Is he that, had that shit in port, though, wasn't he? If he would have got stranded at port, he would have been saved, wouldn't he? Like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And also, the tour was only three hours. Did they not check the damn weather? It was three hours. It's not like they were going for the weekend. There were three hours. So in another episode of Gilligan's Island, there's like a weather report they're listening to on the radio. And, and the weather report says something about like, um, with these winds coming in, it looks like we could be getting a tropical storm. And I was like, what the, What kind of weather warning is that? But then I looked <laughs> into it. This is 1964. Okay. Like, like... We weren't really using Doppler radar for weather really until like later in the 60s. Some people were, but not everybody was there yet. So like when they were predicting weather, they were really like with a crystal ball. You know, it was like (laughs) it wasn't as like great as it is now where we can track Hmm. that thing for like weeks in advance. You know, it's like, well, it looks like the wind's picking up and I'm betting it's a tropical storm. So get ready, you know. Okay. I was just shocked. Hmm. All right. So, but anywho, we'll talk about that on another episode. All right. Scene two. A bit later, we see that a radio has been turned on. We hear reports saying, there's still no word of the fate of the... <laughs> there's still no word of the fate of the... <laughs> sorry. This is 1930. Sorry. Um, there's still no word of the fate of the passengers and crew who were aboard the small sightseeing boat, the SS Minnow. When she sailed last Tuesday from Honolulu Harbor for a three-hour island cruise. The crew consisted of a young first mate named Gilligan, his skipper Jonas Grumby, 
is an old salt in these waters. <laughs> Boy, look at him go. Sorry. <laughs> the passenger list included one of the world's wealthiest men, billionaire Thurston Howell III, and his socially prominent wife, the international hostess Lovey Howell. Also aboard the missing boat were Miss Marianne Summers of Winfield, Kansas, and Miss Ginger Grant of Hollywood. Marianne Summers, an attractive brunette, which <laughs> seems like weird information. That's kind of creepy, isn't it? Yeah. Is employed at the Winfield General Store. Glamorous Ginger Grant, according to friends, boarded the boat after a singing engagement, still wearing the evening dress from her last performance. The final member of the group was Professor Roy Hinckley, research scientist and well-known scoutmaster. Hope of their survival grows dim. Now the latest on Wall Street. The professor reaches over and shuts off the radio, but the billionaire that apparently doesn't even own his own boat jumps up saying, don't shut that off. That's the best part. Followed by an audience laughing from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Poor audience got to sit on the beach. That must suck. Thurston, <laughs> Thurston grabs a radio and tries to tune it back into the station. It's funny how they <laughs> described Mary, Marianne, as attractive. Um, well, first of all, how would he know that? Right. It's just well, what's funny is she weird. she kind of looked at Ginger like she was embarrassed. <laughs> like, did you catch that? They're <laughs> <laughs> so, like a young, attractive girl, and, and Marianne like looks at Ginger like, sorry, like because they don't say shit about Ginger. They're like, oh yeah, she was some singer, but Marianne was <laughs> fucking hot. Like, okay. Well, I assume that they people already know who Ginger Grant is because she's of Hollywood, and you know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> perhaps. All right, scene three. Finally, in the inlet, we all know and love, we see Gilligan putting up a sign saying Gilligan Raft Maker. He proudly yells, hey, Skipper, I finished it. The Skipper proudly runs up saying, fine, now put it away. <laughs> Get it? Sorry. Was he jerking off? Was that what he yeah. yeah. Sorry. That was a lame <laughs> joke. Skipper proudly says, that's great. I knew you could do it, Gilligan. He then puts his arm around Gilligan saying, I'm real proud of my little buddy. The skipper finally <laughs> looking at the raft gets angry again, shocking <laughs> points and says, Hey, wait a minute. You call that finished. But Gilligan corrects him saying, not the raft, the sign. It's a beauty, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The skipper trying to control his anger says, yes, Gilligan, but you can't sail a sign. Now start lashing those poles together with that vine. Gilligan sarcastically says, aye, aye, sir, and begins mm. working. As soon as Gilligan picks up a piece of bamboo, the professor walks up saying, Skipper, you and Gilligan have got to give up this crazy scheme. The skipper says, Professor, there's nothing crazy about trying to reach civilization in order to bring back help. The professor, sounding a bit smug, says, one, the raft you're building is it's scientifically impossible. You haven't got a chance. Gilligan, who's begun trying to work on the raft, stops and asks, we haven't? The professor replies, absolutely not. Gilligan, obviously trusting the professor more than the skipper, walks <laughs> away to discard the bamboo he's holding. But it stopped when skipper gives him an abrupt Gilligan. The professor, who's still staring at the raft, thinking out loud, saying, without the proper materials, you can't possibly survive the wind, the waves, the coral reefs, not to mention the sharks. <laughs> this is again enough for Gilligan, who mouths the word sharks 
and once again begins to discard the bamboo he's holding, but is once again reeled in by the skipper's Gilligan. The professor follows up with the entire venture is suicidal. Gilligan, now having dropped his bamboo, slams it against their would-be raft and taking his sign down is stopped once again by the skipper. <laughs> but this time, Gilligan speaks up saying, bitch, I ain't on duty anymore. Fuck this. <laughs> no, I kind of wish he would, though, because it was kind of getting annoying. Like, <laughs> like there's so many times in this episode where the skipper's like, Gilligan, do this. And he just stands there like hoeing and humming. Like, you're not doing shit. Like, why are you just standing in there? All right. Sorry. Then walking away and then coming back with Mike Brady and dropping him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike Brady's here. This is good. Drop the mic. Sorry. <laughs> I get it. All right. Now, Gilligan does speak up saying, Skipper, maybe he's right. Maybe he's got something here. I mean, it's a nice island. Why don't we stick around for a while? Like maybe three seasons. But <laughs> Skipper, having none of that, orders Gilligan to start tying. Mm. That's not the first time Gilligan's heard Skipper say that, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the professor is actually wrong. <laughs> okay. Because he was like, this raft is bullshit. It's not going to flow. You guys won't even do it. There's no way. It's not going to work. But, but they were wrong. They made the raft, Well, as we'll see later in the episode. And they save everybody. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The, the professor's end. wrong. Well, only because he's saying that, that this, what did he say? Like the boat you're building is won't even work or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Oh, he says, sorry. He says, one, the raft you're building, it's scientifically impossible. Right. You know, the floating wood you're tying together, it won't float. Cut to Escape from Gilligan's Island. What kind of raft are they on? Type? What kind of raft are they on? Oh, I don't know. The same kind they're building right now. <laughs> but, um. But also, me and you are from Florida, yeah. and, um, you know, Ormond Beach being the shark bite capital of the world, I don't know if you knew that, <laughs> mm. um, we see sharks biting through bamboo rafts all the time. This happens constantly. It's actually getting to be a problem here in Florida. Whenever it's anybody like goes in the week. ocean with a bamboo sh- raft like this, it, sharks just, they're just attracted to it. They bite right through it. It's weird. <laughs> And it's weird because you know when you're going to be attacked by a shark because there's little like perforated marks on your bamboo raft that shows where the (laughs) shark is going to bite. It's the weirdest thing. Stop. (laughs) Uh, No, but um, why is Skipper such a dick, man? Like like right (laughs) off the bat, he's a dick. It's not like he progressively gets tired of Gilligan. He's a dick from the first scene. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> just how because sailing is serious business, Jimmy, and it means somebody's life out there. I think in a, in a little bit later scene, we know, I think we understand why he's a dick. I think it's revealed why he's a dick and I'll point that out when it comes. Um, yeah, right. But also, if you look really close on the top, slightly to the left part of one of these shots, you can clearly see a building. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's at the top of the screen, slightly to the left. So look for that in that scene. It's pretty funny. Hmm. All right. Scene four. We now find out that apparently you bring sewing supplies on a three-hour tour. <laughs> we see Marianne and Ginger sitting and sewing. Marianne says, it's the most wonderful thing I've ever heard of, Ginger. Gilligan and the skipper risking everything, braving those stormy seas and fighting off the attack of savages. Ginger thinks for a moment and says with a wink, reminds me of a trip I once took to Catalina on a movie producer's yacht. Just then, Gilligan walks up asking, Hi, girls. How are you coming along with the sail? 
The girls reply, great, it's almost finished. Gillian looks at the sail, points and says, hey, those look like my socks in there. Ginger replies, they are. Gilligan, confused, just says, oh. Marianne <laughs> says, thanks for the contribution. It's just what we needed to finish the sale. Well, that does it. Gilligan goes to grab it, saying, okay, I'll take it down to the raft. But Ginger grabs it, saying, wait, don't you want to read the sale? Gilligan, confused, asks, read the sale. <laughs> Marianne explains, it was Ginger's idea. Look what she wrote on the front. Gilligan holds up the sail and written with socks <laughs> sewn in. <laughs> he reads, Sos? <laughs> Marianne explains, S-O-S. Gilligan, trying not to look dumb, too late, <laughs> <laughs> tries to backpedal saying, Oh yeah, I, uh, I read it upside down. Ginger explains, On the other side we wanted to write, Please hurry, but we ran out of socks. <laughs> yeah, he might be a mighty sailing man, but he's not a very smart one. Um, <laughs> where did all these clothes come from? Why would they take all these clothes on a three-hour tour? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got more to, d- to discuss about that kind of yeah, stuff right? at the break, um, after the next break. <laughs> so they have all this bamboo. Apparently, this shit grows all over the place, even though anytime they show a <laughs> shot, they show no bamboo growing at all. But apparently, they're <laughs> gathering this bamboo up from somewhere. Why can't they use some of it to repair the boat? I mean, it's always a good question. People always ask that. Um, right. He can make a radio out of a coconut, but he can't fix a hole in the damn boat. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's explained in an episode why it can't be done. I don't. I, I remember hearing that somewhere. That hmm. the professor explains that. I know. Why do they have all those clothes? <laughs> and what's the deal with the professor? He can make a radio out of a coconut, but he can't fix a hole in the damn boat. So, Ginger, she said, reminds me of a trip I once took to Catalina on a movie, on a movie producer's yacht. Okay. I was like, sounds like Ginger went to the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Fucking Catalina wine mixer. It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Yeah? No way. Not the Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> you don't remember that? I have no clue what the fuck that is. <laughs> fucking Catalina wine mixer. The fucking Catalina wine mixer. It's from Step Brothers when they <laughs> when got put in charge oh, of the fucking oh, oh, Catalina yeah. wine mixer. Oh, okay. Okay, I get it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So Gilligan's a sailor and he doesn't know what SOS means. What <laughs> SOS not. means. He's Apparently like, not. Oh. No. <laughs> what does it stand for? Um, save our ship. That, that's really what it stands for? Or are you just guessing? Yeah. No, that's what... Oh, that, okay. Uh, yeah. Sounds like you're a mightier sailing man than Gillian, because you knew what the fuck that meant. Hmm. I guess so. I guess hmm. so. Hmm. All right. Scene five. We now see the skipper and Gilligan aboard their homemade, well, island-made raft. <laughs> and Gilligan is about to put the sail on. Skipper says, now you now before you put that on, make sure that mast is secure. Gilligan answers with, oh, the mast is strong enough to hold the sail. The skipper, seeing Gilligan's not getting the whole picture, says, it might have to hold us if we run into storm out there. Gilligan, now lost in thought, thinking of the dangers they may face, just looks out to sea. Finally, the skipper gets up and says, never mind, I'll check it. The skipper gets up to check the pole and is surprised it's sturdy. 
<laughs> the skipper compliments Gilligan, saying, not bad, not bad at all. Gilligan, you're doing a good job, but is cut off by the fact that Gilligan is now eating the shellac for the boat. <laughs> the skipper gives a Jim Halpert look to camera and then back to Gilligan asking, what are you doing with that? Gilligan explains, the professor made the shellac out of coconut sap and sugar. You want some? The skipper gets mad once again, saying, no, now finish up that job and stop eating the shellac. The skipper gets mad and tries to storm off, but gets caught in the rope and almost falls, giving out a yell. But Gilligan helps, quote unquote, by saying, watch out for that rope, skipper. The skipper turns again with an attitude saying, thanks a lot, Gilligan. (laughs) (laughs) But before skipper can walk away, Gilligan says, skipper, this would be great frozen, a shellaxical. The skipper looks back and forth saying, I actually have one right here. <laughs> no, okay. I put no, some shellac tell. on this and oh, yeah. <laughs> look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's only shellac now, but maybe it won't have so much shellac later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, sk- <laughs> the skipper, for his own sanity, brushes this comment off and instead gets back to business asking, where's the putty the professor made? Gilligan explains that the putty was delicious. He made it out of crushed mangoes and berry seeds. (laughs) The skipper, obviously taking this more seriously than Gilligan, tries to explain, saying, can I make you understand this? We are not going out there for a joyride. It might be pretty rough out there. But before he can say anything, he hears the professor calling Skipper. Skipper stops berating Gilligan and instead turns saying, what is it, professor? The professor walks up with some sort of necklace saying, Skipper, look at these. I found them in the, the caves. The Skipper turns and says, uh, Gilligan, do you know what these are? Gilligan answers, no. But if they taste as good as your mom, I'll have them for dessert. <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, man. Gilligan was so ahead of his time. That. I don't either. But when Gilligan goes to grab it, Skipper slaps his hand and keeps talking, saying, it looks like a native arrowhead to me. The professor holds up a mask, saying, look at this ceremonial mask. It looks like the work of the savage Marubi tribe. The Skipper, not trying to hear that, says, oh, professor, we've been all over this island. There's no natives on it. And what is it you're driving at? But the professor sets his ass straight, saying, First, the Marubis still exist as a tribe. Second, they may very well be on the islands nearby. Third, your raft might land on one of those islands. Gilligan, having heard enough, butts in saying, fourth, maybe we shouldn't go. Hmm. But the skipper sheds some light on what's driving him to do this, saying, Gilligan, it is our duty. (laughs) Duty. (laughs) (laughs) When this raft is ready, we are going to shove off. Gilligan, although not happy, answers with his trademark, aye, aye, sir. But as soon as the skipper leaves, Gilligan leans in and says, Professor, those savage Marubis, what do they do? The professor matter-of-factly answers, they're collectors, Gilligan. Gilligan partially relieved says, well, that doesn't sound too bad. What do they collect? The professor shortly answers, heads. Gilligan Hmm. thinking for a moment and smiles big. The professor says, not head, Gilligan, heads. (laughs) <laughs> it's like sweet maybe i can get some heads yes my mouth's gonna be so sore <laughs> and, <laughs> and walks away gilligan thinking for a moment finally says heads 
I noticed that the shot was outside. Yeah. Or this is shot outside. You can tell so by far. them sweating their asses off. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure the rest of the series is all on the sound stage, right? Well, Except for the like rest of this episode scenes. is. <laughs> well, I know what I'm saying. Like, but I think the rest of the series is pretty much on the sound stage, except for certain scenes that need to be outside. But right, right. I, don't know, I guess we'll find out. So the professor is a scientist and also an archaeologist. Apparently, apparently. Or, yeah. I don't know because we all know science, archaeology, same thing, right? <laughs> well, the the according to the show, he was a he's a fucking boy scout. Is what he is. He's a boy yeah, scout. A scientist and like a scout master, but or a famous like scout master tag. He's a famous <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like uh, that other famous scoutmaster, you know. Bear Grylls? Uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Les Shroud? No. I guess so. Yeah, maybe there are famous ones. All right. So what's feeding that waterfall? Because this, this is a small island. This is a relatively small island, right? Okay. Yeah. And they have a waterfall leading into that lagoon. What's feeding it? I I don't know. I don't I don't, hmm. What feeds any waterfall? Well, I mean, on, on Hawaii, they do have waterfalls, but it's a lake that's, you know, that has either snow runoff or, you know, condensation or rain or whatever. But this is a tiny little ass island that can't have an ele- I mean, judging by the end, the, the beginning of it, the elevation is what, 20 feet or something? Like it's not <laughs> like the <laughs> highest point on the island. What's feeding it? Because that water is coming out of there like crazy. The ocean? How? What's making know. the water go uphill? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, oh. I have waterfall science. <laughs> yeah. But notice how the skipper answers Gilligan when, when called compared to how he answers the professor when he's called. Why? No. Cause when, when, whenever Gilligan calls the skipper, he's like, what, what is it Gilligan? Fuck. <laughs> but then, but then whenever the professor calls, he's like, Oh, what is it professor? You know what I mean? You notice <laughs> that shit? Well, according to, well, this is day one. So to the skipper, these are still like customers. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah. So, plus he knows yeah. what the fuck's up. He knows that the professor's smarter than him. Um, <laughs> it's like a, basically a pissing contest at this time between the skipper and the professor. But also <laughs> I know the skipper didn't ask Gilligan if he knew what the fuck that necklace was. Come on. Really? You ask Gilligan <laughs> of all people? Might as well ask Ginger while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gilligan, Gilligan, look at this. What do you think? Wouldn't it have been funny if Gilligan just... I, mean, I thought that's that was the joke later on in the episode. Spoiler alert. I thought they were going to have it where Gilligan's just a fucking genius and he calls something that nobody else called. But I was kind of hoping <laughs> they would do this. Oh, that looks like... And then have him just shove away and then go to the professor and professor. No, Gilligan's right. That's to, you know, have Gilligan be a secret <laughs> genius. That'd be funny. But. but I remember right before he asked Gilligan, he like looks at the professor. He's like, watch this shit. Watch this. Hey, Gilligan. <laughs> this is, this is, you're going to laugh at this. Watch, he's going to hey, eat this shit. Hey, what do you think this watch. is? <laughs> what do you think this is? Just listen, listen to what he says. What do you think this is? I don't know, but I want to eat it. I'm going to tell you, he's a fucking moron. <laughs> That's what I have to deal with. So apparently this island has tapeworms. Because oh, Gil gets hungry it? through the whole fucking episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Scene six. Later that day, Gilligan and the skipper are loading items onto the boat, preparing to set sail. The howls run up saying, Skipper, Here's a list of things I want to do the moment your raft docks. Without looking, the skipper says, I'll get to them as soon as I can, Mr. Howell. Mr. Howell says, I think you'll find the list self-explanatory. These are the names of the stocks you see. The letter S opposite means sell. B means buy. M means merge. And H means... 
I wonder what H means. <laughs> this is how standing there with a the parasol says, H is for how, dear. <laughs> it's your note paper. <laughs> Mr. Howell agrees, saying, yes, yes, of course, H. That's me. He then leans into Mrs. Howell and says, you too. <laughs> H also stands for heck yeah, according to Jimmy. Hell yeah. Did you say the Jimmy? No, I said according <laughs> to Jimmy. <laughs> so he said according to the Jimmy. I'm like, I like that. No. <clears throat> Skipper, seeing that nobody understands the severity of the situation, says, what you folks don't understand is we'll be kept busy when we land just to arrange a rescue party. Mrs. Howell speaks up saying, oh, Captain, speaking of parties, would you please get in touch with Mrs. Van Hampton? You see, Mr. Howell and I promised to attend her party and we weren't able to. Well, with it getting shipwrecked and everything. <laughs> I, I have to admit, the Howells are like my favorite. They're so out of touch. It's fucking yeah, fantastic. Time. They I think this is some kind it. of like, ooh, we're going to go and live like poor people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like an excursion, a little, a little adventure. What sucks so is like, I, I can't, and not to interrupt, but what sucks is I can't help thinking the dark side of this, right? <laughs> because the fact of the matter is if this was real, they'd be suffering from malnutrition, not by now, but eventually right. malnutrition. They're probably going to resort to like cannibalizing pals or something. I don't know. <laughs> but also like Gilligan and Skipper would have lost their business you know, after over a certain amount of time when they were presumed dead, they would have lost their business. They would, somebody else would have taken it. Mr. Howe would have lost all his money. It would have been given to whoever, like <laughs> if they were to go back after a certain amount of time, they wouldn't have anything. They would have lost everything. <laughs> and they yeah. probably would have eaten somebody just saying. <laughs> yeah. So the skipper trying to remain calm says, I'm sorry, folks, but I can't worry about the stock market and parties. We've got a lot of things to do first. Mr. Howe says, lovey, there's only one way to protect our interests. I will have to go along on the raft. Gilligan, bring my luggage. Gilligan, always polite, says, yes, sir, and begins to leave. But Skipper puts his foot down, saying, never mind, Gilligan, just keep loading the supplies on board. Gilligan obeys the Skipper, saying, yes, sir. He then turns his focus back to Mr. Howell, saying, you don't know what it's like out there on the ocean. You may be bitten by a shark. But Skipper obviously doesn't know who the fuck he's talking to. <laughs> Mr. Howell answers, a shark about a howl? <laughs> Motherfucker, please. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. <laughs> he wouldn't dare. I want it so bad for him to be like, bitch, how the fuck do you think I got in this island? Act like I don't know what the fuck it's like out in the ocean. Like, we were in a storm, <laughs> weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the skipper, trying to keep an eye on Gilligan and argue at the same time, says, besides, we haven't got enough room for your luggage. Mr. Howell, having made up his mind, says, oh, that's different. If I can't go first class, I won't go at all. He then begins to leave, <laughs> saying, come on, lovey, even tourists is crowded. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that <clears> means. <throat> I just smile. I was like, <laughs> Right. I know. Um, the skipper, pleased with his work, says, Well, folks, looks like Gilligan and I are ready to shove off. But before they can step towards the boat, Marion and Ginger come running, saying, Wait, and putting necklaces around their necks, complete with a kiss on the cheek, saying, They'll bring good luck. Gilligan and Skipper look somewhat embarrassed at the attention received when Skipper finally says, Well, how very nice, ladies. Just wonderful. Just about all I can say is aloha and nui oi. I think so. <laughs> That's Hawaiian for till we meet again. 
Ginger, very excited, speaks up saying, I learned a little Hawaiian when I was singing in a club in Waikiki. Wani, wiki, huki, loki, new. And every word of it comes straight from the bottom of my heart. Gilligan, seemingly touched, says, gee, that's real nice, Ginger. What does it mean? Ginger says, this bar is off limits to all military personnel. (laughs) And with that, the skipper loudly says, come on, Gilligan. It looks like we're ready to shove off. Hoist the anchor. Let go of the stern line. Everyone yells things like bon voyage and aloha. Gilligan and the skipper begin paddling out towards the sea, but the skipper quickly realizes they're not going anywhere. Mm. He smacks Gilligan and asks, Gilligan, did you pull the anchor? Gilligan admits, that would make us go a lot faster. (laughs) Gilligan. (laughs) (laughs) What was messed up was like, he's literally staring at the anchor on shore still. And he goes, Gilligan, (laughs) did you pull the anchor? It's not, I'll get it. You keep paddling. It's get your ass back there and fucking get off the boat. Like, what? Yeah. Oh, but his, his dictum is not over yet. Gilligan steps to the shore, picks up the anchor and says, well, bye. Ginger yells, call my agent. The professor and Mrs. Howe yell, be careful. Gilligan then begins to follow the raft, carrying the anchor until he's finally underwater, still holding it. Mrs. Howe, of all people, is the first to notice this saying, this word cracked me up. Thurston, I do believe Gilligan's gone underwater. <laughs> Skipper, having finally noticed, begins shouting, Gilligan! Skipper finally pulls up the anchor line with Gilligan still holding it. Uh, Thurston yells, Ah, oh, he's up again. <laughs> the professor rolls his eyes and says, You sure? <laughs> <laughs> he probably giggled at the beginning. Hey, you sure about that? But when the skipper tries to pull Gilligan on the raft, he too falls overboard. Ginger, somehow still thinking everything is going to plan, waves and says, take care. (laughs) So I I put again, why do they have luggage if it was like a three hour trip? But kudos to Bob Denver for doing all that shit, man. Like if he did, if if that was indeed him. And when he was underwater that whole time, when the skipper's like, go look at go look at um, you could see bubbles coming up underneath the boat. So I think they had divers in the water and I think they had Bob underwater, like with the diving mask on and stuff. And they took the regulator out when it was ready for him to pop up to the surface. That's what I think happened. Um, did they not realize that the raft is heading right towards like the other side of the lagoon? Like if they would have kept on the track they were going, they would have hit land. Like, Oh, then success. (laughs) We got here. (laughs) I just assumed there was like a little, little Creek or something that led out to the ocean. (laughs) But, uh, my God, when Marion ran up with the necklaces, like she looks so hot. (laughs) And a little short time, a little shirt tied up. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <clears throat> but why is the skipper leaving Gilligan when he's still holding the, the anchor? Because he's a like, dick. What a dick. <laughs> he's like, I, well, he's got it, so let's keep going. I could have sworn I remembered Marianne wearing overalls. No? She never wore overalls on the show? I'm sure she does later. Because, you know, they go shopping, apparently. <laughs> yeah, right? All right. Scene seven. Man, it's been so long since you said so long. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Next, we see Gilligan and Skipper apparently out in the wide open ocean. Hmm. Gilligan says, I'm flipping my lid, I tell you. No, he's not like that, but that's kind of what he said. <laughs> Everywhere I look, it's water, water, water. 
The skipper stands up and runs to Gilligan saying, you stop that, Gilligan. That's an order. Don't you talk that mess. Gilligan, finally growing a pair, says, well, I'm sick of orders and I'm sick of the sun and the wind and the spray and the salt. The skipper, having had enough yelling back, says, what are you talking about? We've only been gone 20 minutes. <laughs> I think it would have been funny if Skipper would have been like, the, the professor's right there. Like, no, it's just been fine. <laughs> yeah. Gilligan immediately calms down and asks, gee, is that all? The Skipper, restraining himself from throat punching Gilligan, says, now sit down there and start paddling. Followed by a dig in fast. Mm. Put some stank on it. No, I don't know. Whatever <laughs> they say on the ocean. Uh. <laughs> I don't remember him saying that, but (laughs) there was an episode of Top Gear where they, it was kind of like this, where they were, they had to trek through the jungle and they trek for hours and hours and they're having to hack down limbs and all this kind of stuff. And they finally get like, like they've been traveling for like four hours. And, um, Jeremy Clarkson's like, I left my cell phone back on the beach. And they're like, oh, he's like, hold on, let me go get it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he walks back and he's like, where was it on the log or in the sand? Like, no, on the log. Okay, I found it. And then he walks back. All right, I found it. I thought they were going to do a joke like that. Like, all I see is waves and everything. And like, you know, they turn around and all the all the castaways on the beach just staring at him. Like, that's just, I don't know. That would have been fun. Uh, but also, you can clearly see the shadows of the trees in the water. Like, you can, you can clearly see that they filmed this in the lagoon. They just did it in a high <laughs> shot so you couldn't see the trees. But you can still see right. the trees in the water. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Scene eight. Marianne and Professor are now standing on the beach looking out at the ocean. Marianne takes a step towards the professor and asks, how do you think they're doing, Professor? The professor says, it's hard to tell, but at least they've had calm seas for the past three days. Marianne, worrying, says, oh, I hope they'll get through. They've got a good raft and the skipper's a fine sailor. And while Gilligan is... Marianne and the professor just look at each other. Finally, (laughs) Marianne says... Oh, I hope they'll get through. Oh, hmm. that looks like a lot, a lot like what's called Zuma's point, um, where they filmed the ending of planet of the apes. I'm pretty sure that's the same beach that they're standing on. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. You know, the, the end of, um, planet of the apes where they, where they walk up, where he walks up and he see Charlton Heston sees the statue of Liberty sticking out of the water. And he's like, you uh, damn dirty, you alert. did it. Huh? Spoiler alert. No, it's oh, not this shit. show. That's another movie that we don't care about. Um, I know. I'm saying you just spoiled the ending. Yep, um, <laughs> but it looks old movie. It looks like the same beach, so yeah. I mean, obviously without Central Liberty, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, they seem so concerned about Gilligan's skills, but I mean, according to the song, it says he was the mate was a mighty sailing man. So. That's true. Yeah. So wait a minute, like him and Skipper were mating, like they were doing. <laughs> it said his mate. Uh, well, you know, it says the mate. No, well, that's because he's the only one. Tech. <laughs> it's called monogamy hello <laughs> he's first mate technically <laughs> so oh that's sweet it's his first oh, mate it's just coming out of the closet mate <laughs> that's cute it's totes adorbs <clears throat> all right scene nine the skipper and gilligan still out at sea skipper feeling frustrated says no sign of land no sign of ships no wind nothing Gilligan, perhaps trying to improve morale, says, Skipper, let's have breakfast. But the skipper reminds him, saying, we had breakfast. Gilligan thinks and tries again, suggesting, let's have lunch. But the skipper disappoints again, saying, we had lunch. Gilligan, 
with a huge smile saying, says, let's have dinner. But the skipper once again says, we had dinner too. The skipper Damn. thinks for a moment and asks, by the way, where are those tropical lays the girls made us? Gilligan looks sheepish and holds up the rope saying, I had a snack. The skipper now pissed, smacks his legs and says, Gilligan, will you stop talking about food? Gilligan <laughs> simply answers, okay, skipper. There's a pause as they both sit waiting for some wind. Finally, Gilligan says, I wish I had something to drink like a hamburger or French fries. But just then Gilligan spots something in the water points and says, Hey, I wished for a drink and there's a bottle. Maybe it's soda. The skipper shows his true colors saying, maybe it's a bottle of beer. <laughs> so now you know why he's all grumpy. He's going through withdrawal and shit. <laughs> As they pull the bottle up, the skipper says, there's something in it. Gilligan looks inside the bottle and pulls out a note. He begins to read it, but turns away when he sees the skipper trying to read over his shoulder. Mm. The skipper, once again, getting irritated, shocking, asks, <laughs> what is it? Gilligan begins reading the note, which says, help. We are marooned on a desert island. They spelled marooned wrong. The skipper, <laughs> not believing what he's hearing, says, let me see that. He reads it and says, Gilligan, this is the note that you wrote. Gilligan hmm. thinks for a moment and says, I don't know how to spell marooned. The skipper <laughs> calmly looks at Gilligan and says, you know, everyone makes mistakes and you've been under a lot of pressure. I'm sorry. I make you feel like you're not enough. I've been bullying you when I really should have been bullying myself. No, just forget he didn't say that. It would have been nice if he said something like that. No, he gets pissed and he throws the bottle into the water. <laughs> but apparently sharks like drinking beer and soda too, because two shark fins are seen circling around the bottle. The skipper spots them and simply says, we've got company. Hmm. Gilligan says, I sure hope they had three meals today. The skipper, apparently not knowing where anything is and not prepared at all, asks, Where's the shark repellent? Didn't the professor say he's going to make some? Gilligan, looking sheepish again, says, yeah, it was delicious. Mm -hmm. The skipper, understanding the severity of the situation, orders Gilligan to start paddling. Gilligan runs to the side of the raft and begins to paddle when he spots a shark coming right towards the raft. When the shark gets close, <laughs> Gilligan tries to hit it with the paddle, <laughs> but the paddle breaks. I mean, gets bitten by a shark. Mm-hmm. You get that joke? Because it, it's special effect. That's how they did the special effect. Sorry. <laughs> gotcha. Gilligan lifts up the paddle to reveal teeth marks on it. Gilligan tries to warn the skipper, but the skipper once again ignores what Gilligan is trying to say and instead yells at him saying, don't just stand there. Keep paddling. Gilligan tries to paddle again, and his paddle is once again bitten by a shark, this time only leaving a stick. Mm. Gilligan throws his entire paddle at the shark and runs back towards the supplies. As Gilligan is standing on the raft, a shark comes up and takes a bite out of it right between Gilligan's feet. Mm. And it wasn't like marked at all first. Like it, they really <laughs> bit it. Gill <laughs> Gilligan panics and yells, Skipper! The shark swims up a second time, taking another bite out of the raft. The skipper and Gilligan, apparently being their first time at sea, begin to take down the sail <laughs> and throw it into the water for some reason. 
<laughs> the sharks then throw up their fins up and go, okay, stop throwing shit at us, asshole. They then show they mean it by towing them all the way back to shore. No, I'm just kidding. They then continue to take apart the raft they're standing on and throw it at the sharks. <laughs> Gilligan then cuts the rope, holding the raft together and literally pushes half of the raft into the water. The scene then plays out with the skipper literally running back and forth on the raft and Gilligan trying to climb up the mast. <laughs> like they literally throw all their food at the sharks. That's their first go-to. <laughs> Quick, let's get of all the, get rid of all the supplies that'll keep us alive. What? <laughs> <clears throat> A bit later, after everything has calmed down, Gilligan <laughs> and the skipper are standing on what's left of the raft. The skipper says, I thought we'd never get away from those sharks. Gilligan retorts, thank goodness bamboo is filling. The skipper adds, we haven't got much raft left, but we'll get where we're going. We've got a good current behind us. Gilligan agrees, saying, yep, skipper from here on out, it looks like smooth sailing. Hmm. But just as Gilligan says this, the weather started getting rough. What? Their tiny was ship tiny- was tossed. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently because, you know, bamboo rafts flood somehow. Um, <laughs> Gilligan asks, skipper, do you think we should abandon ship? The skipper answers, too late. The ship has abandoned us. Mm. As he says this, the raft slowly begins to sink under the water. Yeah. I mean, you made some, uh, you made some jokes at the expense of the uh, effects department, but uh, Mm -hmm. that was really good shark effects. I have really good. (laughs) Seriously. I'm not even kidding. Those are really good effects for the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice physical comedy scene between both of them. So good balance yeah. by the guys on that little raft. And, all. Was, and like good job. all the jokes that I put on it, like I had to watch it a second time. Like you don't expect the paddle to be bitten. Right. And so it, yeah. the, the gag totally works hundred percent. But when you go back and watch it again and you know, what's going to happen, you can see how Bob Denver had, had purposely hit the water a certain way so that the end of the, the paddle would break off. You know what I mean? Like, and he just timed it perfect with the shark. Um, and then when you look at certain shots, like you can see where the raft was scored, where I guess somebody out of the boat would jerk it down really quick. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, yeah, the sharks themselves were pretty good too. Yeah. Like they did a really good job of making it look kind of like they're really sharks. Um, yeah. Yeah. the bites, like I put the bikes, the bites were clever for the time. A really funny gag that you may have missed oh. is Gilligan uses his teeth to pull the cork out. Right. He right. then hands it to the skipper who takes a second to realize that it's been in Gilligan's mouth. And he's like, Ooh, and he throws it into the water. Like it was just, <laughs> it was pretty funny. What is the skipper's deal, man? Uh, um, when Gilligan is paddling, uh, when his paddle um, is first bit, you can see the shark's teeth uh, marks already made into the raft. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, hmm. So yeah, that's it. That's, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> So this is where we take our first break. All right. So Gilligan and Skipper are inspiring a young Steven Spielberg somewhere to do a shark movie, (laughs) but could die doing it. Will they die and leave the castaways to die too of scurvy and starvation? (laughs) Or will they somehow find a way out of this and make it back to the island? Oh, they become scurvy dogs. Oh, it's to drive me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back. 
Hey there, comic book fan. We've got a few questions for you. Were you obsessed with X-Men as a kid? Did you stand in line to get a copy of the death of Superman in the black poly bag? Did you buy every image comic no matter how long it took to hit the shelves? Then have we got the show for you. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is the podcast where Adam and Michael re-examine the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine and explore the world of gimmick covers, massive crossover events, and find out if those 20 copies of X-Force number one you stashed in your long box really did put your kids through college. And that's not all. We also bring you exclusive interviews with former Wizard staff members who tell behind-the-scenes stories from the guide to comics that defined a generation. In our special series, The Wizard Files. And wait, there's more. You'll get mini-episodes with 90s comic book reviews and more nostalgic fun. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is brought to you by the Retro Network every Wednesday. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast app. And remember to keep your books bagged and boarded. would you say that ribbon was um kind of a like a hot pink see i would have called it crushed raspberry that's what i would have called it but uh, that's okay but i like the song what was the name of the song um it was a uh, twinkle in your eyes oh nice okay that was good we should put mm-hmm. out a youtube video of you doing that routine <laughs> you know i can't do it alone I, I still need you clapping along and then doing like you're waving back and forth stuff. Yeah, well i can just record the clapping so you're good <laughs> i guess so I have a question for you. I have an answer for you. I was like thinking about this and like, okay, you know, of course we all ask if it was only a three hour tour, why do they bring clothes? Blah, blah, blah. Don't care about that anymore. That's not what I'm challenging. My question is, so it's the Skipper's Charter, right? Along right. with his first mate Gilligan. Right. It's their business. So five guests come on board. Right. Mr. And Mrs. Howell makes sense. Rich couple makes sense. But like a professor, like by himself, a little country girl <laughs> by herself. From Kansas. From Kansas. And a random movie star by herself. Right. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like what's really going on here? But like another thing I noticed is that boat doesn't look big enough to hold five people comfortably. Well, I mean, just for three hours it does. But I mean, it looks like a lot of standing room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe. But if you look at the opening credits, it says free lunch provided. So yeah. what are you supposed to stand and let salt water and shit get all over your sandwich or whatever while you're you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it doesn't look like it's very thought it doesn't look like a very nice boat at all. Um hmm. but yeah, um I was thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. And First of all, the question I had was, why would a billionaire with a B, one of the (laughs) 10 most richest people in the world, so you're talking like, like, what's his name? Elon Musk, right? (laughs) Yeah. You're trying to say that Elon Musk would go to Hawaii and charter, what is it, a 30-foot boat with 
four other people that he doesn't even know. He's never met before. <laughs> right. And sit there for three hours, again, with people he's never met before, on a charter so cheap that they have to provide you a free lunch to get your business, on a little wooden <laughs> piece of shit boat. <laughs> You're telling me that they that's what he's going to choose? A billionaire? <laughs> yeah. Like, why would he not just go there and rent a yacht and just have his own crew and do it? You know what I mean? Like... Right, and I get that, but why is a professor going by himself, and a random country girl going by herself, and and like a movie star? Yeah, why is like yeah? Why she doesn't have like an entourage or somebody to come with her? Like you know, like you you watch that that boat reality show, the Below Deck. Yeah, Below Deck. Yeah, their boat doesn't even have a Below Deck. Like, (laughs) well, I'm sure it does, but it it doesn't. It's not much room. It doesn't look like it does. So I mean. It doesn't, it's such a small boat. And again, there's five people on this boat, right? Well, so not counting. You have the, the two, two of the most richest people in the world on this boat, right? You yeah. have the professor and I mean, professors make really good money. Megan's aunt is a, was a professor. She's retired. Yeah. You have a movie star out of Hollywood that obviously <laughs> makes money. Yeah. And then you have Gilligan and Skipper who own the, own their own charter. In Hawaii, so you know they got money. You know, Gilliman may seem like a dumbass, but homeboy's got some money. You know he does. Well, I think it's the skipper's business, and Gilligan yeah. is just a hired hand. So, so the odd one is Marianne. Oh, Marianne is a farm money? girl from Kansas. There's no way in hell she has enough money to go to Hawaii, let alone charter a boat. There's no way. Yeah, what is she even doing in Hawaii? Yeah. <laughs> What is she running from? I don't know, but you notice that it was kind of mysterious how in the opening scene, nobody seemed to know how they landed on the island. Everybody fell asleep. You catch what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, the fuck? Because uh, Ginger, like I said, was literally in a bed. Yeah. With a pillow and blanket. Marianne. So, something shady's going on with Marianne. Well, look at her background. This is my what I'm thinking. Okay. She lives on a farm. People that live on a farm, listeners, if you live on a farm, confirm or deny this. <laughs> they're a little bit, I mean, they're the type that they don't really take their dog in to get euthanized. They kind of take it behind the <laughs> barn, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they, they think nothing of like, you know, you know, cutting their head off a chicken, like running around with a chicken with a head cut off. That came from somebody <laughs> like Marianne. Like, that's where that saying came <laughs> right. from. So, she's yeah. the type of person that's probably slaughtered a pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm sure she's assisted cows with yep. like, if they have like, uh, um, what's it called when you can't poop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> constipation? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like assisted cow constipation, you know, where she sticks whole, whole, whole arm up a cow's yep. ass to pull the poop out. You know, she's done that before. But what better way to get away out of trouble than to die? What do you mean? Well, I mean, they're going to presume they're dead. Oh, so like Marianne's running from something. And if she's presumed dead, she gets away with it. And she's running from something that obviously made her a bunch of money. She had enough money to go to Hawaii and be on a charter boat. Oh, shit. (laughs) This is crazy. You catch what I'm saying? But sweet little Marianne, though, I don't know. And I get this vibe that her and the professor are fucking. Like I'm, I, just, I get that weird vibe. <laughs> I feel like um, the professor 
probably is, but he really wants Ginger. And I get this, I get a really weird feeling that she confided in Ginger. Because do you see how the kind of weird relationship her and Ginger have already? Like they, they kind of look at each other like they both know each know something, the other one, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, they were sewing together, so I th- I think I think Marianne is the whole reason for this because if also if you notice to the episode she's surprisingly chipper the whole like the whole fucking time like at no time <laughs> is she like down on her like, oh, this sucks i can't believe i'm on an island she's just like hey guys look at the sewing we did like she's all happy and shit like <laughs> because why because everything is according to her exactly plan. yeah yeah so every day she's there is right as she planned it right <laughs> wow She's an industrial little sucker. You know she she managed to beach that that boat on that shore. You know she did. She like <laughs> slipped some Benadryl in everybody's beer or something. Something. <laughs> Maybe, man, that's something we we're gonna have to track this and keep yes. an eye on her and see what's going on. And then she wants to wear all skimpy outfits and shit so she can do all her mysterious little shit and all the guys are just like fucking oogling at her and shit. Yeah, what if she's like. You know, and there she's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just a farm girl from Kansas. What do exactly. I know? And yeah. behind the scenes, she's like, all right, these motherfuckers need to die. Yep. And, you know, wow. She's like, hey, you guys should make a raft. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I can sell a sail for you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the professor's like, what do you, I don't think this is a good idea. And she, hey, Ginger, why don't you go hit on the professor? What if like oh. when everybody was asleep, she went like underneath the, the raft and tied like a dead pig to it or something like so that all the sharks were atta- attracted to the raft <laughs> and that would be why they're biting the raft and shit. She'd be able to slaughter a pig. You know, she's done that shit before. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's all those footprints. Ooh, that's all those footprints. <laughs> that was her running around trying to catch that pig. Oh, you're talking about later? Yeah. Find footprints? yeah. <laughs> she, she caught the only pig on that island. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, this is, but I love Mary and she's so hot. All right. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's something. I wouldn't she's cross a, her though. femme fatale. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't cross her though. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, yeah, write, write us and tell us what you think of that theory. It may be complete <laughs> BS, but I think 100% Marianne is behind them getting getting stranded on that <laughs> island. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Creepy. All right. <laughs> so when we left off, so Gilligan and the Skipper are trapped on a small raft in shark-infested water. Mm-hmm. With no supplies and no oars, how will they get out of the stack? Um, I don't know. Let's find out. So, well, they eventually 10. make it back to no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> scene ten. Gilligan and the skipper somehow made it to land. Oh, good. Even having said there was no sign of land anywhere, Mm-mm. and also swimming the entire time, they clumsily walk onto the shore, stumbling around. They finally get all the way up on the land and kneel down, completely winded, when the skipper asks, You all right, Gilligan? Gilligan answers, I'm fine, skipper. Skipper finally notices that Gilligan is holding something and asks what it is. Gilligan holds up a piece of bamboo and says, I saved the raft. (laughs) Skipper rolls his eyes and says, 
Good work, Gilligan. Gilligan finally looks around and asks, I wonder where we are. Skipper answers, I don't know. We must have traveled hundreds of miles. First thing we got to do is build a fire. Gilligan agrees, saying, oh, yeah. And they got the matches right here. As he pulls out a pack of matches from his back pocket. You know what just hit me as you were reading that? Yeah. The skipper reminds me of of a certain manager we had at the shop. Like, okay. Like, imagine if Richard Pryor had a had a brother named Mike. <laughs> okay. Um, just the way he's always like, what? Like, he really wants a beer, and he hasn't had one in a really long time. <laughs> like, that's what that's what he reminds me of. And that's why he's so pissy and grumpy all the time and shit. John will appreciate that. Like, that's what it reminds me of. Um, yeah, that was for John. Good job. <laughs> it's funny, though, because as they're coming out of the water, you can clearly see when Skipper's coming out of the water, he's like, Gilligan, you dumb shit. Like, and then he, like, he gets pissed at him for falling over when he, like, freaking pushed him in the first place. So um, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> so as dumb as they make Gilligan out to be, he still thought of to bring matches and to wrap it in plastic so they don't get wet. I mean, but see, I didn't. Impressive. I thought that was a joke because I was like, when he said that, I was like, <laughs> that's awesome. Because I thought it was going to be like, oh, I brought some matches and have him be all soggy and shit. Like, I, it was like, I thought it was just going to be a matchbook, a soggy matchbook. Yeah. I'm like, ah. and then like when it worked, I'm like, oh, oh that was a totally missed opportunity. That would have been a funny joke. <laughs> yeah. No, he just had him wrapped in plastic and he's like unwrapping it. And I'm like, hey, good job, yeah. Gilligan. Yeah, right. But no. Oh, yeah. I remember when the skipper said good job. No, he didn't say it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Scene 11. Up on land, the skipper has collected a very small amount of firewood and yells, <laughs> All right, Gilligan, I'm all set here. <laughs> Bring the fire and don't let it go out. This took me all of 45 seconds to gather. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> go straight in the back boardwalk. Sorry. Um, Gilligan answers. <laughs> <laughs> Gilligan, go on, go on. <laughs> what's that? Go go check out the stuff outside the north door. Go clean out the pond. Um, <laughs> the South Island is garbage. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna throw a bunch of peanut shells around, and you better fucking vacuum it. All right, um, Gilligan answers, "Aye, aye, Skipper." But as the fire begins to burn his fingers, he runs in saying, take it, please, Skipper, take it, take it, take it. The Skipper, of course, takes it out of reflex, but realizing what Gilligan did says, not me, the fire. The Skipper quickly drops the fire onto the logs and asks Gilligan, well, what did you do that for? Gilligan answers logically, it was hot. The Skipper continues to engage with Gilligan for some reason, says, saying, of course it was hot, but soon changes the subject saying, well, this is certainly better than the open beach out there. But as Gilligan is standing next to the fire that was apparently made for the skipper and the skipper alone, <laughs> the skipper looks at Gilligan and says, well, don't just stand there. Bring some fu- some wood for the fire. Gilligan acknowledges and soon picks up a big branch full of leaves. He puts it on the fire and soon heavy smoke begins to billow from the fire. <laughs> So I guess I guess you could sing Gilligan started the fire. No, uh, the skipper is such a dick. Oh my god, <laughs> he's such a dick. <laughs> he can't give Gilligan one chance to warm up. <laughs> I know, right? Like he's got so much more like 
stuff to protect him from the cold. If you catch what I'm saying without being mean, like, (laughs) and he's standing there like, Oh man, well, what the fuck? Go get some more wood. What the fuck? Like stand here as he's standing there getting warm. Like such a dick, man. He's your responsibility. You're the skipper. Like, dang, (laughs) I gathered this pile of sticks, which took me almost a full minute (laughs) while you were over there building a fire and then carrying it over here for some reason. Like they say, like, like bear grills, which I've brought up before bear grills says that whatever amount you think you need get three times that. <laughs> Cause I mean, I, you've sat near fires before and so have I, and to keep that shit going, it takes a surprising amount of firewood. So, yeah. And what makes it difficult too, is it gotta be like dry wood. Mm-hmm. Like um, stuff that's not attached to trees anymore. <laughs> so, um, but no, I put, I also put, I would, I would have pushed his ass into the fire. <laughs> what, what, who's going to, who's going to arrest you? <laughs> I want to see that episode. where Gilly, like making a horror movie where Gillian Gitch snaps. Like just like, I thought about that. I'm like, what if they re, if they rebooted Gilligan's Island and these yeah. people come across Gilligan's Island, but like they're all dead. Like they've been dead for years. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you see all their huts the way they were on the show, but you see like their skeletons and shit laying in the huts. Like they all died or whatever. Like, That'd be creepy, wouldn't it? Like, they're not all, like, buried or anything. They're all sitting around a table. Yeah. Their skeleton's still sitting around a table. But Gilligan's skeleton is, like, somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) So, Marianne, we have to cast, you know, we have to get Tina Louise. So, Marianne's still missing, but she's gone all crazy and shit. She's fucking killing everybody. (laughs) Hell yeah. We got to do that. All right. Sorry. Uh, Anyway. Scene 12. Out on the beach, Ginger and the professor are standing watch looking for help to arrive when Marianne runs onto the beach saying, Professor, Ginger, look, there's smoke on the other side of the island. As she points, you can see smoke coming up over the trees. The professor, thinking it may be the dreaded Marundi tribe, says, Girls, I'm afraid we may be in for some trouble. There's a chance a Marubi... There's a chance a Marubi may have returned to this island. Mm. Marianne, starting to panic, asks, those headhunters? Golly, Professor, what'll we do? Ginger comes up with a great (laughs) idea, saying, well, the first thing we should do is hide our heads. (laughs) The Professor orders the ladies to gather up some conch shells and meet at the clearing. When Marianne tries to say something, the Professor interrupts, saying, I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. At the clearing. I'm going to warn the Howells about this as he runs off. Well, kudos to them for, for pronouncing conch correctly, because, you know, living in Florida, there's a lot of people that come in from out of state and they want to say conch. And it, that's, mm. that irritates the piss out of me. Like, just come on. Because <laughs> I've had people like, I'll try to correct them. No, it's conch. No, it's not. Read it. Look at it. Like, okay. I've only lived here my whole life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Ginger's line. <laughs> she was so funny. <laughs> We should hide our heads. Like that, sh- that shit was great. All right. <laughs> Scene 13. Back with the skipper and Gilligan. The skipper has noticed footprints in the dirt mm. and yells, Gilligan, look. Gilligan runs off, sees the footprints and says, hey, that's pretty good, skipper. How'd you make all those footprints? The skipper, once again, engaging in Gilligan shenanigans, says, those aren't mine. Gilligan argues back saying, well, they sure aren't mine. I don't have that many feet. Mm-hmm. 
The skipper, finally getting to the point, says, there are other people on this island. Gilligan, always the optimist, says, oh, great, let's go find him, and begins to walk <laughs> off, but is pulled back by the skipper, who says, no, wait. Remember what the professor said about the Marubi headhunters? Suppose they live on this island. Gilligan's eyes get big as he says, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. funny the way he said that. He's like, yeah. And he goes, suppose they're still here. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just funny the way he did it. Um, so those are, they're, they're clearly shoe footprints, not bare feet footprints. So that should have told them that they weren't tribe members. I mean, unless they're shopping at Payless or something. I don't think Payless existed yet. Um, but Gilligan's face has already cracked me up. The shit that, like, he just had one of those rubber faces like Jim Carrey. He's pretty funny. Yeah. Now, Bob Denver was really good in this role. He was, yeah. Um, scene 14. On another part of the island, we see Mr. Howe playing golf with a stick in an avocado pit with Mrs. Howe watching beneath her parasol. Mr. Howe hits the avocado pit but doesn't make it in. He exclaims, Dash it all, lovey. I've three-putted again. His supportive wife answers, I think you're doing very well, dear, considering you're using a clamshell and a bamboo stick for a putter. Mr. Howell adds, not to mention an avocado pit for a ball. Here, I'll try it again. But before he can, the professor runs in yelling, Mr. Howell. But Mr. Howell shouts, quiet, please. The professor, urgent to tell him what he saw, says, but Mr. Howell. But this time is cut off by Mrs. Howell saying, Professor, Mr. Howell is putting. The professor now <laughs> standing in the path of the ball says, I know, but I got important news. But Mr. Howell simply says, not while I'm putting like a motherfucking boss. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The professor finally says, I believe the Marubi may be here. Mr. Howell, now getting pissed, stands up straight and says, I don't care who's here. They're not playing through. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Howell, finally understanding what the fuck is going on, says, Thurston, I believe the Marubi are those nasty headhunters the professor told us about. I don't remember professor. asking you a goddamn thing. <laughs> it just seems like that's the mood. That That's how Mr. Howell would have been. Like, bitch. <laughs> The professor mistakenly thinking he's talking to a normal person <laughs> turns to Thurston and says, I think it's advisable we prepare a defense. Mr. Howe firmly says, well, as I always say, a good defense is a strong offense. Wipe the buzzards out before they can attack us. The professor, like in the eagerness he's hearing from Mr. Howe, says, yes, but how? Mr. Howe says, simple. First, we blow up their bridge. The professor, somewhat confused, says, well, I don't even know if they have a bridge. Mr. Howe gets annoyed, saying, those crazy... <laughs> I'm telling you, I fucking love the Howells. <laughs> those crafty devils, <laughs> they've outsmarted us already. <laughs> <laughs> He then goes back to playing golf, saying, all right, stand back, quiet, please. But before he can putt, Marianne comes running in saying, Professor, we've got the conch shells. Marianne hands one to Mr. Howell, and Ginger hands one to the professor, and the professor begins explaining. <laughs> okay, now these shells will be our warning system. If you run into any danger, 
you just blow into them like this as he blows his shell. <laughs> Lucky shell. Yeah. <laughs> and then Gilligan comes walk out dressed as a shell. No. Um, I thought it'd be funny if they had like 10 minutes of them trying to blow, but couldn't do it because you've blown one of these before. You have to do it like a trumpet, like, yeah, like that. Yeah. And it would just be funny to hear like, <laughs> to hear 10 minutes of, <laughs> and like, that's all the sound. Like, that would have been funny. <clears throat> um, so wait, if Mr. Howell made yeah. that golf set, I am impressed <laughs> because he has yeah. four clubs in it and a bamboo that's been hollowed out. Cause I don't know if you've ever looked at, I got it grow. I got two different types of bamboo growing in my yard and there's, they're chambered. You know what I mean? Like it's not just a, like yeah. a straw. That's not the way it's designed. Right, right. Um, so he's hollowed out bamboo already. <laughs> And made four golf clubs, and he or he he hollowed out the bamboo to make a golf bag complete with a strap. <laughs> yeah. I'm really impressed. They've only been there like a week. <laughs> no. huh. But once again, I just love how out of touch they are, yeah. and they're just my favorite castaways. I'm I'm impressed that he had the skill to do that. Because you know the professor ain't going to take time out to make fucking golf clubs. You know he's not going to do that. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe he would. I don't know. But I thought that was fine. But what's great about Jim Backus is like like his Mr. Howell like voice and accent and all that. Right, right. Like he made that shit up. Like yeah. it's a, a famous like, you know, impression now for like rich people. But okay. Jim Backus was like the first one to do it. Like he made <laughs> that shit up. Like it's fucking incredible. Like <laughs> he's so awesome. <laughs> um <clears throat> I was looking up the the cast members. He died of um uh, he had Parkinson's disease, complications from Parkinson's disease. Um, hmm. All right. So anyways, scene 15. On the other side of the island, Gilligan and the skipper are walking through the woods when suddenly they hear the sound of a conch shell, which startles both of them, causing them to stop in their tracks. Meanwhile, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. The rest of the cast castaways are blowing conch shells. Yeah, but that's not related. They're on a different island, Tech. Come on now. Oh, Spoiler alert. Well, well, what am I right. <clears throat> Meanwhile, back with the rest of the group, the professor has everyone try and blow the shells to make sure they can do it, huh? which unfortunately they can. Because <laughs> that would have been so <laughs> hilarious if they couldn't. The skipper hears this and says, that must be the whale of the Marubis. <laughs> Hell yeah. Gilligan, beginning to panic, says, oh, no. But the skipper, keeping it real, says, oh, yes. We'd better camouflage ourselves. Hmm. Gilligan tries by trying to make leaves stick to his hat, which he fails at. Meanwhile, the skipper grabs some branches and begins to stuff them down Gilligan's shirt, tickling him, causing him to giggle. <laughs> which, of course, gets him in trouble with the skipper, who yells at him, saying, stop that, Gilligan. This is no laughing matter. <laughs> I need a beer. The way, the way Gilligan giggles when he's being tickled just cracked me up. <laughs> just that one where he was like, oh, that, that cracked me up. <laughs> so, like, they left Hawaii and they got this Marubi tribe that has, like, shit. Do you think that that the Tiki Idol in the Brady Bunch is from the Marubi Dude, tribe? I didn't even think of that. Probably. They should have put popcorn down. Then then Bobby <laughs> Brady would have found him and they'd be rescued. 
It's true. Why does the skipper grab his hat every time he's upset? Like, is he afraid his hat's going to fly off his head? Like, has he watched too many cartoons where his head's going to go <laughs> like steam coming out and it's going to make his hat fly off so he grabs it so it doesn't fly away or something? I don't know. <laughs> One of the funniest things I saw recently was episode of Roseanne where they did a whole uh, Gilligan's Island like parody <laughs> and John Goodman was playing the skipper and he did it so perfect like he looked just like him and he was always like talking with his like arms like this I don't know what we're gonna do Gilligan he was like oh Gilligan <laughs> and he just did it so perfectly it was and That's it just looked like a, a Saturday Night Live skit the way he was like <laughs> moving his arms every time he talked I don't know but we gotta do it and it just was so funny, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, scene 16 Meanwhile, the professor and Ginger are looking around the island and come to a cave. The professor tells her, this is the cave where I found the Maruby arrowhead. Might be safe in there, especially if we leave our clothes out. <laughs> especially if we leave our clothes out here. So they think we got killed or something. Plus they are, plus they are totally grossed out by sex. <laughs> Especially loud and heavy moaning. They think it's a ghost or something. Yeah. The Maruvi are especially freaked out when tongues tickle the taint. <laughs> and then Ginger, <laughs> Ginger looks in the cave and interrupts. It's dark in here. The professor, the professor answers, it is pitch dark. It would make a wonderful hiding place. And with those rocks, I think we can rig a pretty interesting trap for our Maruvi friends. <laughs> so how is ginger's dress not dirty yet she's been on this island a week <laughs> sleeping know. on the ground well it's like sand it's not like she's laying well, I guess they're mud. probably sleeping in the boat realistically yeah yeah well you know where the pillows and blankets and all that yeah, right, yeah. scene <laughs> 17 no scene 17 <laughs> yeah. back with gilligan and the skipper gilligan is in the trunk of a tree with leaves around his head. And the skipper is neck deep in bush. <laughs> yeah. The skipper reminds Gilligan to hold still. But Gilligan, who seems distracted, says, I hope this island doesn't have any termites. The skipper says, at least we'll be safe like this. So we can scout around and see what's what. Gilligan tries to walk, but is having issues. Finally saying, skipper, I think you made my roots too long. The skipper, not having time to fix yet another Gilligan problem, says, never mind. Just take short steps like this. And soon the two of them are dancing around as if they're doing the jitterbug from the Wizard of Oz. Mm. I had to throw that in there. That's funny. Do you know, do you know what that is or no? <laughs> that is like a deleted scene, right? It is. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, yeah. The skipper finally asks Gilligan, how do I look? Gilligan answers, like a fat bush. <laughs> <laughs> The skipper, apparently getting old and forgetful, says, when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. But Gilligan, confused, says what we're all thinking. You just asked for it. <laughs> the skipper, now feeling like a fat, dumb bush, simply yells, shut up. <laughs> but soon Gilligan calms him down by saying, shh. Once the, <laughs> once the skipper calms himself down, he reminds Gilligan, remember, if there's any danger, just stand still and you're a tree. As soon as the skipper says this, a bird makes a noise, and soon the two of them are running in circles with Gilligan trying to run away and the skipper trying to keep track of them. Finally, the skipper yells, Gilligan, come back here. 
<laughs> okay, that, that scene was actually pretty funny. Like, <laughs> it was <laughs> just the way the brat like this, and they're all prancing around. I, that cracked me up for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And the two of them imitating it, like do, 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 do. Which, I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> that they were demonstrating. They're like they didn't just go because they went like in a circle. Like you do it like this. <laughs> uh, that reminds me. Remind me of a story that Eric told us way back on Taint Funny. He said him and three of his friends were walking down the sidewalk in Levitt Park, right? And they were wearing hoodies. And they used to do that thing where you would pull one of your arms inside the hoodie, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you would put the two hands together, right? And you would have lift your hand up. And when your hand come down, you would push on your chest. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. when your hand go up, you release it. And the four of them are walking on the sidewalk, all doing this in unison. <laughs> and a car pulls up next to him and is like, the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> Just pull away. Oh, oh, I forget about that doing that whole thing. Yeah. I kind of wish a Maruby saw them from a distance and be like, the fuck are they doing? Just walk away and leave them alone. <laughs> you know, like back in the day, like that was like a thing we did like in middle school or high school or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like we didn't have social media. Do you think that was just a regional thing? I don't know. I know we did it at Rockledge. People on people listening may not know what the hell we're talking about. I know that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. to us, that was like a normal thing growing up. Like to locals around here, like I remember when we used to do this, and everybody go, "Oh my god, yes!" Like there was no social media back then, so it's not like somebody could do it in a video and it becomes viral. You know, <laughs> <clears throat> maybe we should right. do it in a video and make it become viral. We should, yeah. Scene eighteen. Back with the professor and Ginger. Ginger sets down some large leaves, saying, "Here's some more." The professor says, "Good. Start spreading these around." But be careful. It's all set. He then begins explaining things, which seems like a waste of time to me. But anyway, he says, now the vine is the trigger. It goes over here, around the tree stump, up here, over to here, and is attached to these two small rocks. You know, for a security guard, he had an awful lot of information, don't you think? Ginger, who is surprisingly paying attention, says, and if anyone tries to get into the cave... The professor then continues, if they touch that vine, it creates a tension. Now, you understand how tension works, right? <laughs> it's something- funny because people are going to touch that vine like three times through the rest of the episode <laughs> without triggering them rocks. So funny how that works. Out come these two rocks and the whole thing will tumble down, breaking limbs and literally crushing the life out of them. God, I hate those fucking marubies. They die. This is a pretty like graphic like. So their plan is to like literally crush them to death. Like that's horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Not trap them in the cave. Crush them to death. Ginger compliments the professor by saying, "It's a wonderful trap, professor." Professor tells Ginger, "Be careful now. It's all set. Wouldn't want to get my rocks off on accident." <laughs> so juvenile. Oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> so it look this is a strange note. But it looks like the professor wears the same shoes that Mr. Rogers wore. Those blue kids that he wore. <laughs> Those are like called the same boat shoes. shoes. Those are for boat deck. Oh, deck are they? shoes. Yeah. So Mr. Rogers wore boat shoes? 
Yeah. Um, oh, they're like okay. deck shoes. When I was in the Navy and we had to walk, you know, going in, pulling in or going out to sea or coming back in, we had to stand right. on top of the boat. We had to wear shoes just like that. They're called deck shoes. Um, they're like blue and all that. Yeah. Okay. They're, like, they're non-skid kind of a thing. Nice. Nice. Now, there is a little bit of, I don't know, man. It seems to me like there's a little bit of tension between <laughs> the professor and Ginger and the professor and Marianne. <laughs> but then, like, Ginger and Marianne are friends. Like... Do they secretly think call each other bitch like behind their backs and stuff? Like um Jimmy the Because it seems women? like they both have the hots for the professor. They're women. Of course they're stabbing each other in the back. That's true, yeah. yeah that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, scene nineteen. Back with Gilligan and the skipper. The skipper has somehow lost track of Gilligan and is walking around calling for him. Gilligan can faintly be heard saying, Over here, skipper. But the skipper, who isn't paying attention, trips and falls down. Gilligan looks down at Skipper saying, watch the rock, Skipper. The skipper, being polite for once, says, thanks a lot, Gilligan. No, he doesn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're totally excited. You're like, oh, I don't remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> Gilligan hollers asking, are you all right? The skipper finally standing up. <laughs> the skipper finally standing up again looks exasperated, saying, I'm fine, just fine. But then quickly says, I gotta rest for a second. <laughs> Indicating, you know, he's a liar. He catches his breath, then asks Gilligan, Will you stop going so fast? From now on, we'll stick closer together. Get it? Stick closer together? Get it? That's clever. We <laughs> We've, we've been walking for a full two minutes. <laughs> I need a break. <sighs> <laughs> the skipper asks again, well, McGilligan only says, skipper? When the skipper asks sarcastic, what? Gilligan says, I've been attacked. The skipper, still nervous at the threat of the Marubis, asks a nervous, attacked? Gilligan turns and says, by a woodpecker. The woodpecker keeps pecking his head until Gilligan lets out a sharp, hey. He then asks, are you going to keep pecking my head? The woodpecker actually nods his head, yeah, <laughs> and continues to peck. I don't know how they trained that bird, but that was fucking amazing. Like, it taught 100%, no, like, seriously, it 100% like nodded its head, yes. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Sharks ain't got nothing on that. That was that was insane. <laughs> that's right up. That's right up there with that Geico commercial where they train the squirrels to make the car run off the road and they give each other high fives and shit. It's the same thing. <laughs> this is amazing how they did that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <clears throat> like I know, having said all that, like that's the joke they went with. <laughs> what the the woodpecker? That's really the joke they went with. Like really? <laughs> yeah. They but also they said wood and pecker in the same sentence. Like and they still went with a puppet woodpecker. Like, come on, you could come up with something a little funny. Like, so, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Scene to one day. The professor and Ginger have now wandered away from their cave trap and are venturing through their woods. I wish I had my own cave trap. <laughs> when you start off, you're like the professor and Ginger. Like you said it, funny. It was like, that's why I'm over here going. <laughs> Yeah, wait a minute. If they got a cave on the island, why do they build huts? <laughs> I don't know. What the fuck? They got a cave. Because they'll fight over the cave trap. Oh. Because then... That was... Marsh my own cave. <laughs> if I had my own cave trap, you know what I would do? 
<laughs> I would invite people over this night. People <laughs> <laughs> are living all in caves for hundreds of years. <laughs> and cave is going to be here for another thousand years and I can't have my own cave trap. <laughs> you go, everybody can use my cave trap. <sighs> anyway. And we can sleep with it in the daytime because it's really dark and be really comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and make jokes. See if I can. Uh, so they have now wandered away from their cave trap and are venturing through the woods when the professor stops and says, That tree over there moved. <laughs> like, he's, a, he's a professor. I assume he's got a PhD. Uh, I'm assuming so. <laughs> and his first reaction is, hey, that tree over there moved. <laughs> this is the Dreaded Maruby time. They're headhunters. Wait a minute. The fuck that tree moved? <laughs> <laughs> a tree then reaches out and smacks the professor's hand asking, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> Dorothy, I mean the professor, answers, we've been walking a long ways and I was hungry. And Did you just say something? The trees then begin saying, she was hungry. She was hungry. <laughs> she was hungry. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. <clears throat> but anyway, the professor then pulls out a bow and arrow and fires off a shot towards the tree. The arrow lands on the tree and Gilliam begins running away. <laughs> Ginger's eyes get wide as she points and says, that tree ran away. And that fat bush. <laughs> <laughs> The camera quickly turns to show Mrs. Howell. No, I mean the professor, who isn't making up facts about the Maruby tribe at all, says, It's the Maruby. Are you talking about because are you inferring Jesus, that Mrs. Howell has a fat bush? In that fat bush. And the camera quickly shows Miss Howell. Right. That's what I just said. Well, I, know. I wasn't sure if you got the joke. <coughs> You're inferring You're like, oh, I that. I got it. You're inferring that Mrs. Howell has a fat bush. Yes. Mm hmm. <laughs> I can tell you thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Did you tell from my chuckling as I was reading it? <laughs> no. no, go ahead. It's the Maruby. They often disguise themselves. We better warn the others. Both of them pull out their conks, but. And <laughs> 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 begin ma mashing them together. <laughs> Both of them pull. The professor pulls out his conch and puts him to his her mouth now. Both of them pull their, their conchs, put them I can't even say this. They pull out their conchs, put them put, put them to their mouths and start blowing. <laughs> well, they pull them out first and then they make them spin in circle like a like a helicopter blade. Um, and it was weird that Ginger spit on hers before. Like she, she spit on it first. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> Oh. oh, God. That was a tough one to get through. <laughs> I did get the feeling like toward, like halfway through that the professor, professor's just making up shit about this Maruby chart. Like, it's not even a real tribe. He's like, no, no, seriously, guys. He, they like to disguise themselves. Like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> but those guys are dressed as trees in a fat bush. It's exactly how they dress them. Like one, it's usually... The chief will dress as a fat bush and the rest of the tribe. <laughs> the head warrior will dress as a tree. And they hate nudity, especially females. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Drive them away. <laughs> I was impressed that they got that arrow to stick. 
<laughs> because you know they're you know they're probably like, well, fuck it, just make sure you don't hit the tree. Like the person inside it. <laughs> you know they probably really fired that, is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> right. just make sure you don't hit Bob. Bob, you're okay with this, right? Like <clears throat> I don't know. Oh god. Um so you made a bow and arrow pretty quick. <laughs> That's one of the things he's an expert at. Oh yeah. Besides archaeology and Boy Scouts. <laughs> He's a famous scoutmaster. That's right. Mm-hmm. Just the way Ginger said in that fat bush, just I lost it when she said that. You know they did. You know the oh, cast members thought that she was hilarious. You know they did. <laughs> that's not a new term. That term, it's not like we made up that term. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <sighs> Scene 21. The skipper and Gilligan, hearing the conks, are now panicked. Gilligan makes a decision and says, they're going to attack. I'm getting out of this tree. The skipper tries to keep order saying now is not a time to panic, but Gilligan answers. It's a good a time as any. And soon they both ta- begin taking off their disguises. Is that when uh, he goes, it's a go, 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 go. And then he like, <laughs> they run and quickly and- stop to make a sandwich. It's <laughs> 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 um, exactly what I was about to say. Were you? <laughs> and they make a sandwich. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When Gilligan tucks his head in the tree trying to get out, like, you can't see him. Did <laughs> you notice that? Like, literally, all he had to do was go, like this, and you can't, and he disappears. Like, you totally can't see him. It's a perfect so, disguise. Yeah. Well, if he used it, instead of having his head, like, <laughs> sticking out and running, <laughs> it's not a disguise then. Gilligan and Skipper are now running for their lives from the deadly Maruby tribe. Who just want head <laughs> have now come to a cave. But when the skipper stops, the most unexpected thing happens. Gilligan bumps into him. <laughs> skipper turns sharply and says, are you okay, Gilligan? Did you get hurt? <laughs> <laughs> no, he says, would you watch where you're going? Gilligan pointing the finger back at him asks, what did you stop for, Skipper? Skipper points and says, look, Gilligan, a cave. We can hide in the cave. Gilligan begins to go, but changes his mind and turns back to the skipper. Skipper, confused, asks, well, what are you waiting for? Gilligan tells him, skipper always leads his crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the skipper, having none of that shit, manhandles Gilligan, forcing him to go with a get in the cave. But Gilligan <laughs> stops again, saying, wait, I got a great idea. We'll fix a trap of these rocks so they fall down on the Maruby. Gilligan then bends down and just about grabs the vine, saying, And we can use a vine just like this one, see? Good idea? Skipper just rolls his eyes, throws his hands up, and says, What a ridiculous scheme. Do you really think you can make a vine run along the ground here, over this tree stump, up alongside of the cave, and tie it to these rocks so that all these rocks fall down? The skipper and Gilligan, realizing that at the same time, quickly get out from under them, saying, It's a trap. It must have been set by the Maruby. Gilligan, now I know we'll be safe in that cave. When the Maruby come back, see that their trap isn't sprung, they'll go away. They then hear a noise in the bushes and begin to run into the cave with a watch the vine. As they get into the cave, Gilligan abruptly stops, prompting the skipper to ask, What are you stopping for? But is impatient surprisingly, and doesn't mm-hmm. give him a time to answer. Instead, shoving Gilligan aside, saying, never mind, I'll go ahead. <laughs> but when we hear a thump, Skipper yells out, Oop! Gilligan says, 
there's a low hanging rock there. The skipper, polite as always, <laughs> says, thanks a lot. But hitting his head another time as they go deeper into the cave, <laughs> once again yelling out, oop. I thought this was actually pretty funny. Uh, but I was kind of proud of Gil- Gilligan to come up with that plan, that same pr- plan Professor did. Mm-hmm. You know what I, mean? I was just like, look at that. That shit's awesome. Um, oh, yeah. But also, that looks like a really expensive set. That's one thing. Um, <laughs> I know I keep referring to this interview that I saw with Bob Denver, but that's one thing he mentioned on David Letterman. He said, what was great about Gilligan's Island is every week we had some kind of big special effect. He said we had everything from mm-hmm. volcanoes to rain. He said we always had some kind of cool special effect every week. So apparently they were really big on practical effects back then. That's cool. Scene 23. As soon as Gilligan and the skipper are out of sight, as Greg would say, (laughs) the rest of the castaways arrive at the cave. The professor guides them saying, now be careful of this vine. This is the trap I told you about. Careful right into the cave. You'll be perfectly safe in there. But as soon as they enter, we hear the conch shells being blown and the skipper is thrown out of the cave. As Ooh. soon as he's up, he runs back in. Then Mr. Howell is thrown out of the cave. Mr. Howell runs back into the cave and soon both Gilligan and the professor are thrown out of the cave. <laughs> Gilligan stops the professor warning him saying, hey, don't go in there. There's Maruby in there. <laughs> the professor realizing who he's talking to exclaims, Gilligan. Gilligan says, professor, what are you doing on this island? The professor, confused, says, well, I've always been on this island. (laughs) Gilligan puts two and two together, points into the cave and says, oh, then that must be us in there. I better go tell him. The professor (laughs) points down and says, be careful of that vine. That's a trap. Gilligan confirms, saying, oh, I know, and runs into the cave. (laughs) But is quickly out again, saying, they threw me out. The professor decides to take matter into his own hands, saying, I'll tell them. You stay here. He then runs into the cave as Gilligan says, be careful of that vine. It's a trap. The professor runs back and says, I know. And once again, runs into the cave. (laughs) Soon, all the noise stops and the skipper is heard saying, all clear, Gilligan. Gilligan, happy to hear this, runs into the cave saying, oh boy, it's great to be home again. But trips over the vine as he's running in, causing all the rocks to fall in front of the mouth of the cave. Oh. So no crushed limbs or anything? Hmm. No. Mm-mm. I was wondering, like, because the professor was like, let's go in the cave. It'll be safe in there. Like, how does he know that? <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, professor is making up shit. <laughs> he is making up everything. He, that's another thing. We need to track the professor making stuff up. <laughs> we need to track, you know, the skipper showing signs of withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to show, you know, check out Marianne. Marianne. Marianne's on to something. She's a mafia or something. I don't know. <clears throat> um, the rock fall was pretty good. I mean, I love the practical. Yeah. Eff- already, I love the practical effects on this, on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was I mean, that was like, I mean, obviously it was probably styrofoam rocks, but damn, that was pretty convincing. Mm-hmm. Scene 24. At the mouth of the cave on top of the fallen rocks, we see the skipper crawling out on his hands and knees from the cave followed by the professor. Skipper turns to the professor and says, let me give you a hand, but wastes no time saying, oh, that Gilligan, it's all his fault. The professor joins in the fun saying, I warned him about that vine. 
Skipper, continuing to help people out, says, watch yourself now, Marianne. Don't scrape your ass. I mean, are you back? (laughs) (laughs) The professor quickly asks if she's all right, to which she says, I think so. Next, Ginger comes out, to which the professor asks her as well, are you hurt? Ginger answers, no, I'm all right. But as she stands up, she says, but look at my dress. It's the only dress I have. It's ruined. Ruined, I tell you, ruined. (laughs) Next is Mrs. Howell, who exits the cave with a (laughs) tattered and ruined parasol. Mr. Howell actually thanks them for their help. Shocking. The professor asks her, too, are you well? To which she answers, not very. (laughs) Next, Mr. Howell exits, saying, tremendous. I thought we had been... But is cut off when he scrapes his back on the mouth of the cave. Oh! Mr. Howell, <laughs> under his breath, says, Reminds me of the back nine. <laughs> Skipper, waiting for the last person, yells, Well, where's Gilligan? I'm going to count to three. <laughs> this part made no sense to me, as if like Gilligan was like, No, I don't want to come out. <laughs> you know, like, like he's, he's counting. You better come out. <clears throat> it's oh, like on Transformers. Like One of the few so things funny. that Shia LaDouche ever did that was funny. That part cracked me up. <laughs> I'm gonna go one. Oh, he's there. He is. <laughs> they were so funny. Anyway, um, I'm gonna count to three. If you don't come out, I'm gonna come in and get you. I'm gonna get one. you. One. <laughs> go get you. One. Two. But on the count of three, the face of a Marubi, <laughs> complete with necklace and face mac, pops out of the mouth of the cave, causing everyone, including the men, to scream like little girls and run away. <laughs> as soon as everyone runs away, the mask is lifted to reveal, it's just Gilligan. Oh. He looks straight into the camera and says, Skipper gone. Gilligan is one smart Marubi. That's craziness. You know, it's kind of interesting that he says, Skipper gone. Gilligan is smart now. Like, that's that's creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. That's interesting. I thought for sure the joke that they were going to go with was that Gilligan would have found another way out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's like i'm gonna count to three and i'm gonna beat your ass one two <laughs> like and then he comes out like eating a banana what are yeah. you guys doing like how the fuck did you get out like oh there's a pathway right back. <laughs> no. and then they're all like fucking ruined dresses and you ruined parasols and stuff i thought they were gonna go with that joke because that would have been kind of funnier but this well, it would have been a little dumber he was like what are you guys doing oh, i'm waiting yeah. for gillian to come out exactly oh, i wonder if he's gonna come out that'd be a neat trick you know i was like well, I'll no, you go. He pulls his <laughs> he, hat he would hold his hat on. <laughs> um, he would come out and be like, "Hey, want a banana? Oh, sure, thank you." Gilligan, <laughs> get the fuck out. Hey, wait a minute, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I was so I was, and maybe this is the dad in me a little bit. I was surprised that they let Ginger bend that far forward coming out of the cave <laughs> because she was wearing a relatively low cut dress. Yeah, and you could see all the way down to her flowers bra. No, nah, she wore one of those undershirt thingies. So if you get real <laughs> close to the... No, I'm sorry. Uh, but no, for real, I was kind of surprised. I was like, whoa. So, <laughs> nice. I, surprisingly, I didn't notice. I thought that they were going to go with another camera angle. I was like, damn, they stuck on that. All right, whatever. <laughs> Can't show a belly button, but you show her bending over like that. 
I thought it was kind of interesting that they broke the fourth wall. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the second time in this episode they didn't. Hmm. Because I don't know if you noticed in that one scene, the skipper looks right to the camera. is just like, and it's totally like a Jim Halpert look. 100%. (laughs) And with that. Yes. It's the end of the very first episode of Gilligan's Island. Ah, it's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. Nice. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. So, I have an email to read. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have an email from a Thomas Z. Z? Not too many people with last name with a, with a Z in it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And he says... Well, unless that's his... Maybe that's his rap name. <laughs> he says, Hey, guys. I love your podcast. Nice. I only discovered a few months ago, and I listened to it in random order. I am currently listening to Season 2, Episode 6, Call Me Irresponsible. Mm. Call me irresponsible. (laughs) You guys were talking about the car that Greg was looking at in the magazine as being a 1970 Mustang Mach 1. Mm -hmm. My first car was a 1970 Mustang Mach 1, and I still own it. I got it in 1984 and have driven it since then. If that car could talk, it would have some stories to tell. But it wouldn't because that car's your bro and it ain't going to say shit. Because that's (laughs) how it works. That's true. It's your bro. Hell yeah. So anyway, so thanks, Tom. Or Thomas. Sorry. Tomas. I I have a bike in the garage. It was my first motorcycle ever. Um I used to have a Dodge Shadow. I had a 1990 Dodge Shadow and um, came out of Winn-Dixie one time. And I was like, ah, that dude's car is on fire. It sucks. <laughs> well, it was, it was my car. Oh, God. And, um, yeah. And so the car like burned like, like bad. It was destroyed. And, um, I couldn't really afford a whole lot. So I bought a motorcycle for $800 and this was back in this would this was before I met my wife. So this would have been about 1996, 1995, maybe somewhere around there. Yeah. This was when you were in the Navy the first time. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I got it while you're in the Navy. And I showed it to you when you got off the Navy, when you got off the Navy, when, uh, <laughs> when you came home and, um, but Thomas, yeah, I, I still have that bike in the garage now I'm in the middle of trying to restore it. So it's in pieces right now, but I still have, it. so I know what it's like to keep your first vehicle. That was my first motorcycle mm-hmm. and I'll never get rid of it. So totally get it hundred percent. I say, keep that as long as you can until some outside force makes you sell it like a wife or something like that, but keep it as long <laughs> as you can. That's awesome. I can totally really, uh, my first car was a classic too, is a 1995 Hyundai accent. <laughs> <laughs> well then my 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 first car was a 1974 amc hornet which i to this day i miss that car and i look regularly in facebook marketplace to try to find one and they're kind of hard to find that year uh, my second car was a um a 1979 mercury capri yeah that car which is, awesome. is funny because you had what an 82 mercury capri? <clears throat> i don't remember the year but it was like a turbo yeah. one yeah yeah, you had the four cylinder. I had the six cylinder. So yeah, mine was a stick. Yeah, we had the stick, and yeah. you had the automatic. Yeah, I had automatic. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, but you could like so, by switching to second or third gear, like you can spin the tires just by switching. The I gears. could I could spin the tires in mine. Mine was an automatic. <clears throat> well, so I remember mine had the two point eight liter V six. I drove it What's once, that? and I just like tapped on the gas, and the tires were like. <laughs> I was like, on mine or yours? Yours. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Anyways, that's awesome, Thomas. I uh, appreciate you sharing that. That was cool. Oh, yeah. um, this special relationship. I, I, and what's funny is, um, I oh, no, I don't have your first motorcycle. I have your first new motorcycle. Yeah. Your first new motorcycle I have in my garage. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, we, we know what that's like. <clears throat> that's awesome. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah. All right, Thomas. Well, you know what we did. We had fun here today. Don't be offended. We do love the show. We're not racist or sexist. Heck no. I don't I don't feel like we were racist or sexist at all in this episode. Mm, Usually we're know. pretty bad. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> um, <laughs> we would also personally like to thank our producers from Patreon because without you, this absolutely couldn't be possible. And of course, we're looking at you, Jenny and Jim. Don't think because we had time off, we forgot about you. <laughs> uh-uh, it didn't work that way. Mm-mm. So some homework assignments. Right off the bat, a new show, new homework assignment. We got something brand new. Ooh. So all you people sitting back going, I got to hear this part. I'm done. No, you're not. No, you're, no, 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 no. Don't be pressing pause or stop on this. Mm-mm. Very first homework assignment. If you go onto our website and you go under shop, we started an Amazon affiliate link. Mm-hmm. Now, you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, yeah, you started that so you can make money. Well, no, not exactly. We started it because we wanted... um an easy way for you to find the box set. Now you could just go onto Amazon and, and type in Gilligan box set and you can find it. But what we do is we found the cheapest one. Cause there's a couple on there they're different prices and stuff. Um, but we found a bunch of other stuff on there. Just really silly, dumb things, you know, like pretty much socks and, you know, <laughs> inflatable palm trees and a bunch of just silly shit that we thought was funny to put on our mm-hmm. show, on our store, not thinking anybody would buy it. <laughs> we just, I don't know. We thought it was goofy. Um, so if you're looking for the box set or if you just want to see what kind of silly shit that we put on it, um, go onto our website under shop and you'll see there are Amazon affiliate links. If you feel like buying something, that's awesome. We appreciate it. But if you don't, that's that's totally okay. We really did it to make it easier for you guys to find stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your second homework assignment, if you choose to accept it, is, like I just said, check out the website. There's more than just the shop on there. And we've done so. I did some updates on the site, so it's actually yeah, we did a little some different updates. now. So. Some of you may have seen some of the pictures and stuff we put out. Some of those are on there, and so we we've updated the website a little bit. Um, so yeah, go check it out and see what it's like, and you know, mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And do a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and Castbox. That really helps the show out a lot. It really does. Tell two friends about the show because word of mouth advertising is the best kind of advertising. Me and Tech can sit there all day and be like, "Hey, you should listen to our podcast. You should listen to our podcast." I had a dream the other day. Yeah, and in the dream you had said, you know, a podcast is kind of like your personal journal. Hmm. If you ask your family and friends, "Hey, want to read my journal?" They're gonna be like, "Not really." <laughs> I, mean, I guess I will if you really want me to, but I'm no. But if a, if somebody that you don't know finds your journal, they're gonna read the hell out of that. <laughs> and podcasts are kind of the same way. Like if me and Tack kind of tell, like my wife has never heard my podcast. Our podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my kids have, but my wife hasn't. Mm-hmm. So word of mouth advertising is really valuable. So uh, tell two friends. <laughs> and if you don't like it, then tell two people you don't like. like. You know what would make you really cool? Listening to the shitty podcast. You should hear it. You should listen to it. It's all. It's right up your alley. Because <laughs> you're shit and it's shit. Yeah. So there you no, go. for real. Like totally. You're cool. You should listen to it. Let's <laughs> do it like that. Or do like uh, Thomas did and send an email to the show and tell us how you like or dislike the show or just any ideas you have. There you go. Join the Facebook group and join the conversation and the fun mm-hmm. at a very brave Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to be a producer, check out Patreon at patreon.com slash a very Brady podcast. Check out our Instagram, but spoiler alert, a lot of uh, what I usually do is I'll post on Instagram and it'll, and it'll feed over to the Facebook group. So 
<laughs> Honestly, if you if you follow the Facebook group, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of difference between the two. But, you know, just know that it's there. Hmm. Uh, follow us on Facebook as well. And that way you get uh, real-time updates. Like if the show is going to be late, you know, that's where you're going to find out. Go check out the Retro Network. We're still a part of the Retro Network, and we think the Retro Network is awesome. It's very nostalgic, and it's all if you're like a like a eighties nineties kid like Tack and I are, or newer. Um, if you like anything nostalgic, you really like it. It, it. I'm sure they'll have something for you. It's awesome. So go check them out. Yeah, yeah, and check out our T Public Store for merch. Link is in the description of every episode. I hung out my sister today, and she was asking today. I'm wearing, I'm rocking the the tiki shirt right now, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Hey." Is that for your podcast? I'm like, yeah. She's like, hey, where do I get one of those? I kind of want one. So we might be having a sale soon. Hell yeah. But most importantly, if you don't do anything else, Mm -hmm. go watch the Brady Bunch. I'm sorry. Not Brady Bunch. (laughs) Sorry. Habit. You can still watch watch the Brady Bunch. (laughs) Yeah. Go watch Gilligan's Island. And I know it sucks. And we apologize that it's not available to stream anywhere. But that's okay. It's not that's, our fault. You can't apologize that's for that. Okay. Because there are Gil- Gilligan's Island fans out there, um, like, you know, peeling away the smoke and mirrors. Um, if you look online at some of the fan groups, there's some huge Gilligan's Island fan groups out there. And mm-hmm. so obviously people love Gilligan's Island. It sucks they can't listen to us or they can't watch it. So if you can't watch it, the next best thing you can do is listen to ours and we'll tell you what happens. We will watch it and interpret it for you <laughs> because we're those kind of guys. Indeed. So, um, and maybe someday soon, maybe we'll have a, uh, another box set giveaway. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be fun. That mm-hmm. way we can help at least one person. Oh yeah. yeah. It, it's a shame we can't have a Patreon level where you get a box set. Yeah. How cool would that be? That would be cool. Yeah. So anyways, um, go watch the Brady Bun. Um, damn it. Go watch Gilligan's Island and Tech's <laughs> going to tell you where you can start. All right. Uh, thank you, Jimmy. <clears throat> On the yes, next you're, episode. You're wel- hey, well, you're welcome. <laughs> on the next episode, we're going to be watching, or we're going to be breaking down season one, episode two, entitled Home Sweet Hut. The castaways fight over their living arrangements as a violent storm approaches the island. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Do they sing that, that backyarding song? Castaways. We are castaways. No. Some people out there know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, write in and tell, like, send a link to Tech. <laughs> either on on social media or email just send it to him just so he can i want him to be flooded with him that'd be awesome <laughs> that's cool backyard against castaways yeah tag him in it all right so um unless you have anything else no i, I really enjoyed this episode i'm thinking uh, that uh gilligan's allen is going to be a good thing i really think it's a little bit better written than brady bunch but also well that's only so by, that's i think it's by design so Brady Bunch was supposed to be light-hearted family fun, whereas Gilligan's Island not so much. So I think it's the jokes are definitely better than Gilligan's Island, I think. True. Yeah, and I gotta admit, it's really, really glad to be back. It's really nice to be back. (laughs) It is. It really is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, unless you have anything else? Nah, that's it. Alright. Well, I have been Jimmy. And I've been Tack. And this has been a very pretty podcast. And we will see you, yep, still on another sunshine day. Keep smoking. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.